This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, gang? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for a Wednesday afternoon here in the peg. Tough one last night. A frustrating game, as I tweeted out last night afterwards in that 2-0 home loss to the Dallas Stars. Uh, But the Jets practicing today and right back at it tomorrow against the Edmonton Oilers for our second game with the Winnipeg Sports Talk crew up in Section 316 and Section 317. Going to be a really fun, busy week because we've got the game tomorrow night. Looking forward to seeing everyone that jumped on with us. If you haven't already um, got a ticket for tomorrow night, check out that Jets Thursday Thursday um, option with the $69 ticket, which includes a beer. And if you're able to choose where you're sitting, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but if you can, we'll be in that corner, Section 316 and 317. And then, of course, next Wednesday, July or December 6th, July 6th, we wish, December 6th, um, is our, uh, our little holiday gathering in support of the Christmas cheer board. If you haven't already, and podcast listeners particularly, getting this afterwards, we would love to see you there. Um, going to be a great chance to once again get together the WST crew, talk Jets, talk, bo- talk Bombers, have a few of our favorite um, local beers from our great friends and sponsors at Little Brown Jug. Uh, Boston Pizza is going to be bringing a bunch of pies uh, by for everybody. Nick and Nikki DQ will have some ice cream treats. We're going to have a couple really awesome draws as well. Um, and it's all, every cent that is raised that night is going to go to the cheer board. So December 6th, the link is in the description. And again, if you're listening to the podcast, get over to uh, winnipegsportstalk.com. Grab a couple tickets, grab your friends, and hopefully we will see you there on December 6th. Um, obviously, right off the bat, we're going to get into last night's loss to the Dallas Stars and hear from Rick Bonus and chop that one up. And then Murata Tesh is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts on last night, as well as a big one tomorrow, which we'll be there for against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and if you haven't already read, Murat has just a phenomenal piece in The Athletic that dates back to like last January when this started on the burgeoning relationship between Mark Shifley and Cole Perfetti. And it was uh, a really interesting read. We'll talk to Murat about, about that as well And the Jets over uh, 20 games. Um, in addition to that, Ted Wyman's going to come on the program. Lots of smoke about Buck Pierce potentially being the next head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll see what Ted's hearing, as well as the significance of bringing back Kyle Walters, Ted Gavaya, Danny McManus, on contracts that line up with Mike O'Shea's contract up until the end of the 2025 season, which of course also includes the Winnipeg Blue Bombers hosting that 2025 Grey Cup. And then later on, Jets draft pick and Moose player Danny Jilkins going to jump on the program. I haven't had a chance to talk to Danny before, so we'll look forward to talk to him about his season, his background, and uh, how things are going with the Moose so far this year. Should be a great show. And great to have you all with us. If you're live on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button already if you haven't. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. And just before we get into the rest of the festivities, let me give a big thanks to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day. Of course, our friends at the Winnipeg Jets and Little Brown Jug, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Nick and Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, 
and the great taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. Welcome to everybody in chat, and uh, welcome to you, Michael Remus. What's going on? Feeling good, Huss. You know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't a great finish to the game last night. Um, but, hey, uh, we're here. The Jets practicing. Uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, so many events coming up for us. It's kind of crazy. Uh, what, WST night tomorrow against Edmonton. And, you know, next week the holiday party as well. So I'm still in a good mood, even if uh, the Jets fell short against Dallas again. Yeah, like, listen, God knows I've been in that uh, building enough for uh, games of all all types. And that was one that, I mean, as they tweeted afterwards, it was just a really frustrating game. And credit goes to the Dallas Stars. Um, for a Jets team that had been playing so well at 5-on-5, five five, had been generating a lot, there just wasn't a lot on either side last night. And that is a game where the margins are incredibly, incredibly thin. Um, one goal really can make the difference between chasing it and allowing the Dallas Stars to play in a completely different style than where they are if they actually need to score. Um, and, I mean, we'll talk to, about this with bonus, Remo, but it, it was pretty simple. Without listening to the post-game show afterwards, I mean, literally just walking out of, the, uh, of Section 316 last night, I fired out a tweet of what a frustrating game it was. Um, and most of the frustration revolved around the Jets doing almost nothing with those two five-on-three power plays. And in a game like that where you're gifted two incredible opportunities that don't come along very often, you got to make something happen on it. As Rick Bonus said, you have to score. They didn't score, but it kind of sucks some of the momentum away as well, just the fact that they didn't have that movement, and it felt like the power play of three weeks ago or so. Um, I think the power play has been a big part of that winning streak. I think they've been looking a lot better. And they actually look better at five on four at times at five on three. It is somewhat confounding. You could tell that that was a bit of a burr in the saddle of bones after the game last night. Yeah, I've said it, uh, you know, earlier this season where they, you know, you can't score on special teams. It's going to be tough to win 0 for 4 on the power play. That's the 11th time this year, Huss. Uh, held scoreless on the power play. However, the, the penalty kill, perfect. Two for two. Uh, seventh time. And, uh, I mean, goal suppression, it's been a pretty solid, Huss. Um, uh, in the last uh, five of the last six, two or less, uh, the opponent have scored. So uh, you knew it was going to be tough against Dallas. And, yeah, not a ton of, like, high-quality chances to start. Like, Nemestikov kind of had one. Uh, Morrissey had a couple in the game. Uh, he played he played a team high, what, 28, 19 uh, of ice time, Hassan. Like, he had a couple coming down the middle, but not a ton there, and... You're down one nothing, and Dallas kind of just sat back and waited for the Jets to come. I don't know. I don't know what you thought of the review, Huss, on Dallas's first goal. I still can't figure out how the puck it looked like Robertson shot it, and like the puck just ended up on Hintz's stick. And Pavelski tries to get position in front, and his stick kind of love tapped a Hellbuck. I don't know on the shoulder, on the mask. They reviewed it. It didn't. Ca- you know, still counted. But look, we saw James Neal. Two-hand Hellebuck in the mask <laughs> a couple years ago. So this was nothing. I mean, I don't think it was enough enough to overturn Good if point. They, if they're going to count James Neal breaking his stick on Hellebuck's mask. I I, I think you would. I guess Hellebuck. Look, you got to trust your guy, and he's always you know you know how he feels about uh, guys getting close to him. Uh, but I don't know if there's enough to overturn. But I think 
Look, if a guy a stick touch, ma- touches mask, you got to challenge it, right? Yeah, in that situation, I didn't have a problem with the challenge, even though I did think it was probably unlikely. Like, I thought there was a legitimate chance that they could have had it overturned. I mean, they do say they want to protect the goalies. And, you know, if a guy's stick hits a goalie in the head right before a goal comes in, I think there's a chance that that's called goal, goaltender interference. But in a ga- the way the game had went, I mean, 0-0 for whatever, basically the first half of the game, you know, you, you don't get much, if anything, on that power play. Although, I guess Ottinger made one crazy save, as did Hellebuck when the Jets were shorthanded. So it was a soft. But then when that one goes in, you have to have confidence in your PK that you'll be able to kill the penalty, which they did if they were unsuccessful for the challenge. And, you know, we were right up on top of Helly in that, in that corner and as soon as the goal went in, he looked at the ref and started pointing to his mask. So in some ways, maybe that's an investment in confidence in your goaltender as well. I didn't think it was a completely frivolous challenge. Uh, and maybe I'd feel different if Dallas went right out and scored a power play goal and all of a sudden it went from 0-0 to 2-0. Um, but it didn't. So I understood why the coaches did challenge that. And I think it also goes to something we'll hear from Rick Bonus. You knew the way that game had gone up until that point, that the first goal was going to be absolutely crucial, playing against a team with the style that was enacted by the Dallas Stars last night. And if you got a chance to take that one off the board, I think you take it. It just didn't work out for the Winnipeg Jets, but credit to them, they did kill the power play. Yeah, credit. I mean, credit to them, uh, as, as you mentioned, two for two. And, and I don't mind taking that shot there. Um, but it didn't work out. And yeah, I mean, first goal between these teams, very crucial. You saw in the third period, Dallas uh, really sitting back. And I mean, the Jets had a couple, like Morrissey was in front. Shifley had a nice drive to the net. Um, I think it was the second period. What Ben had that uh, chance on the toe drag. And, you know, you come back, that was like the first time they had back and forth scoring chances. And Nino yeah. goes to Shifley and uh, wasn't in. Yeah, the, and the five on threes. I mean, I, as we said, like that's, that's the game where you get two five on threes. You got to score, and I don't know if they had like a ton of great chances. There was a lot of standing still, uh, hoping for something to open up, and uh, it just didn't. Dallas played very, very solid, and uh, you know the Jets have played well all year, but uh, go two or sorry zero and two against Dallas. I mean these divisional games are big. You're fighting with Dallas and Colorado for um, they're all t- you know top three. St. Louis, uh, you know a couple points behind. So uh, disappointing. I don't know if you can be like too bummed like the way that they played i mean only let in uh two goals and you couldn't score and and we'll have you know a lot of teams uh, have trouble jake ottinger he's he's really good huss though so, uh, yeah hey ottinger yeah. ottinger was completely dialed in i mean it was it was a hell of a matchup and i think marat tweeted about this as well i mean just completely taken away you know loyalties when it comes to nhl teams and who people were pulling last night watching winnipeg and dallas um we talk a lot about best on best. And Matt, if if Canada could get either of those guys to sign on the dotted line with a Canadian citizenship, Canada would be in a hell of a lot better chance. I mean, you, you inevitably start talking about who the heck is our goalie going to be um, in best on best competition coming up and whatever this thing is next year, um, but potentially the Olympics because most of the top goaltenders in the league – are not Canadian right now. And we saw two of the best last night that in all likelihood, we sort of battling one, two for the starting job with, um, 
with Team Canada. Uh, I saw someone ask in chat, like, how did the Flames, how did the Flames score against Dallas? Well, that was another thing that I think we probably should have expected. Um, the Stars just fell apart in the third period on Friday night. Calgary scored five straight after being down 4-2. They won 7-4. Team had a couple days off. Peter DeBoer wasn't happy, and he had his team dialed in for a hell of a road game. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't like the Jets had nothing last night, and I don't think it was lopsided on either side. I saw a couple of the advanced numbers that probably gave the nod a little bit more to the Dallas Stars. But, again, it was close. It was tight. And that's why it, again, comes back to the frustration of not being able to generate anything, um, you know, with those two five-on-threes. The second one I thought was a little bit better. Um, but that has been an issue with the with the Jets. And, you know, for me, Reem, I don't know about you, I think that the power play turned around in the second loss to Vegas. Um, they, they finally got off the schneid and scored a power play goal in the third period in that game. And if I recall correctly, Alex Iafalo was right in front of the net, making things very difficult for the Vegas Golden Net, uh, the Vegas goaltender to see. And from that point on, they moved more, they got more traffic in front, and they scored more goals and had more success. That was missing last night, especially on the five on three. Um, you know, they were just sort of passing it around the perimeter, waiting for something to happen. And Dallas was more than willing to just stand back in that triangle, block a shot or two if the Jets wanted to just rip one. And um, that hurt. That hurt the team last night, and Rick Bonus said as much afterwards. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, five on threes, uh, making one of them a game. Getting two, us. Uh, you got to capitalize. They did have some chances. They were not able to. Uh, and Dallas not giving up much, and they got a great goalie. So nice recipe there, and uh, I'm sure you learn and uh, go on. Go on to the next one here. And the Jets still looking pretty good. Has seven three and zero in their last ten. Um, although you know the two lot now two losses in a row. It is the second time this year they've lost two in a row. So back to the drawing board. I did have a bit, couple line changes today. Well, and let's get to that. Let's yeah. get to that in a minute because that was the one. And I joke with Dusty on the lock shop because obviously we're talking a lot of Jets and Oilers on a daily basis, but especially tomorrow, uh, we'll have some uh, we'll have some rival WST and uh, EST parlays over in the Coolbet exclusives for tomorrow night's game. Um, but every time I, I talked with him about the Oilers in the first month of the season, there were new line combinations. I mean, they were searching for everything, and you pointed out a number of times. Like, we basically haven't even mentioned the lines in the last month because nothing's changed since Gabriel Velarde got hurt and the team been playing the way that they had been. But down a goal, going into the late second period, into the third period, Rick Bonus finally pulled the trigger and did make a couple moves. And, you know, we took Nikolai Ehlers off of that second line, put him up with uh, Shifley and Connor. Um, and it'll be interesting to get Marat's thoughts on, on that line change as well. Um, coming up in our next segment, but things really did uh, get shaken up a little bit. And um, from the sounds of it, Remo, that is the way things are going to uh, look going into tomorrow, including an interesting addition to the fourth line of Gabriel Velarde. So maybe he won't just go right back into the top six, as Scott O'Neill said before. I think Bones kind of hedged that bet, said we won't put him right in and play 20 minutes a game right off the bat. So maybe that means a period or two on the fourth line. Not sure. But 
Connor Shifley Ehlers back together, and they seem to get a little bit better throughout the game. Um, we've seen that group before. Can they be? Uh, can they be? You know, as uh, as productive as the other incarnations of that top line goes. I guess we'll see. But I'm certainly here for it, especially against a team like Edmonton, which gives you a little bit of room to run. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about these lines for a while, mostly how they haven't changed and how they're going to finally change when Gabe Velarde comes back and uh, he's finally practicing with the regular group, Axel as the extra, and he's on four line. And I kind of thought, I kind of agreed with what Scott O'Neill had said. He's like, and I was like, hey, if they think that he's healthy enough to play, he's ready. Put a, put him in. And, he, and when he said he's a top six player, I mean, if he's in the lineup, he's in the top six, and we're not going to put him back in if he's not 100% ready to go and that kind of made sense to me but maybe they like what they have going and don't want to shake things up too much uh but i think you know Ehlers and Nemestikov, i mean have shown they've played well and perfetti i mean it's just so so hard to decide which line you want to break up because they were were playing well and you know maybe this connor shifley and Ehlers um can work well together but i think for extended periods eventually they'll they'll get breaking up and velardi was just too good uh too good compliment with Connor and Shelby to not go back to that. So they're going to have to navigate some murky waters. They are sticking this third line, uh, Nita Ryder, Lowry, Appleton, which at times has actually got second line minutes. Uh, I think this is something to monitor. Uh, going, I mean, lines, as you can put them together, and like after two shifts, you're like, ah, we're going back. We're going back. So uh, we will see how it goes. But Velarde getting, he's, they're going with the ease in. So everyone who voted for ease in on the fourth line uh, in our comments in the chat, uh, they're right. Yeah, I see SK, Ehlers with KFC and Shifley is a horrible idea, all caps. <laughs> um, hey, listen, they've worked it beforehand, and I'm not sure those guys really do fit as well together. Um, I, you know, Ehlers is a challenging player to play with, and I, the more he's played with Cole Perfetti, I just think that Perfetti is such a smart player. He understands... It, more about Ehlers every single game they've been together. And Nemetsnikov in the middle has been, been so good. I've got a lot of time for seeing what Velarde would look like with those two. Um, but I think they've got plenty of options as to who's going to play with Shifley and Connor up on that top line. I have Fowles done an admirable job while he's there. And it is sort of crazy, Reem, that we could be talking about I have going from a month on the top line to potentially that third line because it is quite clear they do not want to touch Adam Lowry's line with Nito Niederreiter and Mason Appleton. And um, listen, those guys had another strong game last night, had some great cycling uh, shifts down, in, uh, you know, low down against Dallas, weren't able to score much like the rest of the team last night. But I don't necessarily disagree with that. But I think you've got 10 players that clearly belong in the top nine and 10 is more than nine. So somebody, something's got to give. And it could be Iafalo going from line one to line four. Yeah. And I kind of agreed started to agree with Ken over the last bit. And look, uh, you know, it was Black Friday. Finally fired up uh, NHL 24 for that. And I played Jets GM. And when I did my Jets lines, I felt it was easiest just moving to Mesnikov down to the fourth and putting Velarde on number two with uh, Perfetti and Ehlers. And I guess you can decide who's playing center there. Is it going to be Perfetti or is it going to be uh, going to be Velarde? But that is, I guess that's a good problem to have. Uh, you know, 10 top nine forwards for nine spots. Someone's going to have to be the odd man. I wonder if we do see more shuffling uh, than we had seen because that's got to be a record because we, we basically had six weeks 
of nothing changing. I mean, Kupari got injured and, you know, maybe they moved, you know, some guys in and out, but the top nine uh, were basically the same and, uh, and we're going to have to see. And uh, we did have actually some comments from uh, Gabe Vlari too after practice. Maybe we can play the Do you want me to, to read you what he said about the play here? Scott Billick actually just tweeted yeah, sure. us. Shout out to um, Billick. He'll join us tomorrow. Yeah, he says, Gabe Velarde frustrated with the play that ruled him out for the past six weeks with an MCL sprain. Called out Blake, Z- Blake Lazat. Called it a stupid play from his former teammate. Velarde says it wasn't an awkward fall. Says Lazat does little things like that. Little things like what? Like putting his skate behind Velarde's leg and taking him out? Was that accurate description of what happened? That's pretty close. That's pretty close. Um, and, and, you know, it must have been so frustrating for Velarde. He got off to that nice start playing with those two, uh, you know, star players on that top line and then popped out and then, you know, was uh, was out. And I still remember, I mean, that, of course, was our first WST game when we were all there. And that just cast off Paul over the entire game thinking, oh, my God, this guy could be out for... I mean, it looked serious enough that it could have been out for much longer than this six-week period that he's been missing. So... Um, can't wait to see uh, Velarde back in the lineup. It looks like that is trending towards being tomorrow. And uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll have a little bit more Jets audio later on if it does come in. Um, but here, let's hear from Bones. And Bones started off pretty straightforward. I think much like anyone that was there last night watching the game realized that those failed five-on-threes were really the difference in that hockey game. It looks like the five-on-threes would be the story of the night. Would you say? The story of the night. You know, it's rare to get one, um, to get two like we did. In a low event, hard hard checking game, there wasn't a lot of room out there for either team. There wasn't a lot of offense being generated. Uh, when you get those five on threes, you have to capitalize, and that certainly cost us the game. Would you agree with the idea that it was a bit stagnant, and when it did start moving, that's when you guys created Yes, I would agree with that. Is that what this timeout focus was about as yeah, well? Yeah, that was what that was about. Give them a quick breather, give them a little reminder, get moving out there. Um, yeah, we just didn't score. I mean, obviously these are small world offensive players that can do so many different things. Does a five-on-three need to be practiced, or is it an instinctive thing? You just trust them. Well, it's a little bit of both. You can practice, but when you got elite players like that, you, you know, you can also rely on them to create something on their own because they're so smart. You don't want to get everything just so black and white. You've got to let them use their creativity, let them use their skills. Uh, tonight, it just didn't work. All right, there's Bones. Not um, not loving the five-on-three last night from the Winnipeg Jets. Um, that was a small part of the game, but obviously very impactful and a glorious, two glorious opportunities that don't come around very often. And it's such a tight game. you got to make the most of those. But um, Bones was asked if he played the way he wanted them to at 5-on-5 five five against the Stingy Dallas team. Well, um, the first period was pretty even. The second period, we didn't. Um, the third period, we did. Um, you know, they just collapsed. It was tough to get second and third opportunities for us. But we generated a lot more in the third. Didn't generate anything in the second, which is why we switched the lines up. But then we did get, we did, we got enough chances in that third to tie that game up. And again, with the, with the field five on three, that's, you, in a low event game, you get two five on threes, you don't score, you're, it's going to cost you the game. 
All right, pretty straightforward from Bones. Uh, it did cost the Jets last night. But and I do agree with them. I mean, they they did not just get suffocated in that third period. I mean, they uh, certainly had a lot of jump. They were bringing it. They spent a lot of time in the Dallas zone, uh, but were not able to convert and get that elusive goal on Jake Ottinger. Uh, this was Bones on the team's effort and chances in the third period. In the third, they seemed like they had no interest in, in trying to get down the ice and, and press you guys. So you created a lot of opportunities, but what made it so hard to... They're, they're giving you the zone, yet what, what made it so hard for we, you guys to get in? We just couldn't get in. So we couldn't. We had some perimeter shots. We couldn't get in there and, and get that second and third wax. And pucks were hitting the skates. One of those nights you're shooting and it hits us. The guy's not even trying to block it, and it hits him. Um, hitting the skates, hitting sticks. It was just one of those nights the puck just wouldn't find its way through. So they're very good, clearly, at the shutting down passing lanes, same as you guys are. But what in situations like tonight where they are sh sh shutting those lanes down even by accident, what can you do to open them up? Well, what you have to do is score. You have to get the lead. You have to make them change the way they play. And they didn't have to because they had that one nothing lead. And if if we had tied it up with one of those five, they would they wouldn't be able to do what they what they did. They would have had to change their way. When you're playing those teams, you have to make them you have to score to make them change the way they're playing. And we just obviously we didn't score. Jake was good in the net. He made some big saves for them. All right. So there's bones on uh, the uh, third period, and and this sort of comes off of that. He's, <laughs> It's very simple, Sean. We have to score. Um, one didn't go in the net, and Bones lamented not getting that first goal because of the importance of it in a game like that Central Division matchup yesterday. Well, again, you score early in the other opposition. They have a, they got to open it up a little bit. They got to change a little bit of what they they did. Uh, neither team did anything in the second, the first period. It was even. That's this. It was a chess match, and wasn't a lot of room for either body. As soon as they got that lead, um, they could change the way they were playing. We were we were just trying to generate more, and we we just couldn't do it. In the third, we did. But when you do that, if you score, they have to change the way they play. If you don't score, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing, and they're very good at it. All right. So uh, bones on last night's game. One more from bones and. Uh... This, we just sort of touched on this. The first time in a long time we'd seen any sort of changing up of the lines. Nikolai Ehlers moving up with Connor and Shifley and uh, some other adjustments. Here's what Bones had to say on uh, getting the blender out for the first time in a while. Yeah, well, we were generating in that second period. So we, we just flip-flop Alex and Nick, give Nick with uh, Mark and, and uh, Casey, and it worked. They were pushing them back, and they had a lot of good looks. Alex did a really good job with Vladdy and Cole. It just, the puck just didn't go in. doesn't mean it didn't. It, it worked in terms of generating more time in their zone, in terms of generating mm -hmm. offense, in terms of coming at them more. It worked. The puck just didn't go in. doesn't mean it, it didn't work. All right, so there's Rick Bonus, and uh, you know Mark Shifley. I thought had a really strong game. He was the second star of the uh, of the game last night. Uh, obviously, was part of that five on three power play that was somewhat disappointing. But uh, here's what Shifley had to say about uh, the two nothing loss to Dallas. You know they had a lot of chances. They uh, Andre made a lot of big saves, they blocked a lot of big shots. Um, you know, I thought we played pretty solid. What changed on your line when Nick went up? You know, he made a few good plays over the blue line, um, handled, handled the puck really well. You know, his speed obviously backs a lot of guys off and um, made a lot of really good plays.
All right, so there's a wrap on the uh, Dallas game, although we will talk about it a little bit more coming up with Murata Tash. Get ready for Edmonton and the Oilers, who have now put a few wins together, and Connor McDavid coming into the peg on absolute fire, as well as his uh, latest piece on Shifley and Perfetti in The Athletic. Um, before we do that, we've got a couple other thank yous to uh, throw out for some folks that have supported the WST Movember Drive. Uh, big thanks to June Rogoski. Uh, Matthew Honer, who said, nice stash, Derek Honer, keep growing your mo. Saw Derek at the game last night. Shout out to uh, shout out to Derek. Um, and a really nice one from a great friend of ours, Joe Witherspoon. Joe and the great gang over at Consolidated Supply. Joe uh, threw a message to the team in that, said, I've struggled with my mental health for years. WST became a part of my routine and helped me get through a really difficult time during COVID. Hassan Remo, thank you for all you do and for all of us. Don't be afraid to ask for help, friends. Cheers. Just an amazing message from Joe. Can't wait to get the uh, Consolidated Gang back on in the spring. And um, a big thanks to Joe and uh, the entire team there. But uh, a really nice donation. And uh, we are approaching, doubling our original goal, folks, of $2,000. So if you are able to uh, make a donation, if you're with us on YouTube, there's that QR code right there. You can click on that. There's a link right in the description of this video. Um, and if you're listening on the podcast and would like to throw in a uh, um, some support to the Movember movement before Thursday for Men's Health Month, do it at uh, winnipegsports.com. There is a link as well. And of course, we're doing it all in conjunction with our friends at Modern Man Barbershops, working on a little something for the fellas that have joined the team as well. Let you know about that next week. But um, Modern Man, there for you guys, 24, well, 365, not necessarily 24-7. Eight locations in Winnipeg, uh, including the two newest locations on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. I've been to the Pemina one a couple times. Just a great spot. And the cutest dog hanging out there as well. Um, Modern Man's got you covered, guys, with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look via modernmanbarber.com. And give them a follow on Instagram at modernmanbarbershops. Well... The holidays are officially here. We'll be having our holiday party next week. And you know our friends at Canadian Club uh, have a CC for every occasion for you heading into the holidays. Whether it's for a holiday gathering or gift giving, WSTers, our friends at Canadian Club, have you covered. For gift options, there's crazy sales on for all the Canadian Club favorites. The original, the 100% rye, and the CC Classic 12-year-old. And there's still availabilities of the limited release 15-year-old Canadian Club Sherry Casks still available. Uh, the Invitation Series is available. In addition, the signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Casks. All the hallmarks of Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. And uh, for you Big-time whiskey lovers, there are five bottles of the CC Chronicles 45-year-old still available for anyone looking for an extra special gift for the whiskey enthusiast in their family. Uh, five bottles left in, in Manitoba at Liquor Mart's $4.49 uh, for those. Um, hey, uh, do have to thank the gangs at Manitoba Battery. Getting ready for Donnie and the gang to power us through what we're dreading, but that is the deep freeze at some point of the Winnipeg winter. Make sure your battery for your car and truck is ready to go, folks. And if you do need a battery for that or anything else, 
Shop local, get the best prices in town, period. Beating the pants off the big box stores and do it in about as convenient way as possible because Manitoba Battery is going to bring that to you for free anywhere inside the perimeter with any purchase over 60 bucks. It could not be any easier, literally. Get down to manitobabattery.com online and order or pick up the phone and give them a holler at 783-8787. Don and his great staff will walk you through it all. Or if you would like a free battery test to see whether you're going to make it through the winter, head on down to 1026 Logan Avenue. They'll take care of you there, and you can see where the magic happens at Manitoba Battery HQ. Again, check them out online at manitobabattery.com. And uh, just before we bring in Murata Tesh, Every time we do our Aquatech read, I think about how amazing it would be to have a home sauna in the, in the operation. Uh, hot tubs, spas, I mean, that is really next level. But there's a bunch of things that you can do with your home that maybe you didn't realize that Aquatech can help you. Because, of course, in addition to pools and spas, they're the leaders in whole home renovations, which start with Aquatech. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, your bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. All right, Ted Wyman coming up a little later on. Danny Jilkin of the Manitoba Moose. But right now, let's welcome in WST favorite Murata Tesh of The Athletic to get to last night's game, the Oilers' visit tomorrow, and a great piece he just dropped in The Athletic on Mark Shifley and Cole Perfetti. All right, let's welcome in Murata Tash, who has a phenomenal new piece in The Athletic and uh, lots to talk about with the Jets back at home. How are you? Hey, doing well, Hus. Good to see you. Good to be here. Well, it's always great to have you on the program. Listen, I want to get into uh, your piece on Mark Shifley and Cole Perfetti, but uh, uh, let's just quickly talk about last night's game and look ahead to Edmonton. I tweeted afterwards, I mean, being in the stands, that was a frustrating, frustrating game. I mean, I can't say that the Jets played a terrible game. I mean, this was... uh, wasn't a lot of space. There wasn't a lot of inches for teams out there. And to me, I mean, when you walk out, I guess we heard the same thing from Rick Bonus. You just got to make something happen on two five on threes in a game like that. Was that was that the difference in your mind? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And the the problem with those five on threes was that it was a bit symptomatic of the rest of the game too. Like there was just so little movement. And for me. Like, I mean, you get a minute 52 of five on three in a game that close, you need something. You, you know, it's not it's not an emergency. It doesn't undo anything the Jets did through their first 20 games. But if you want to win a hockey game, that's the way that you do it. It was, it was almost boring to watch the first 20 seconds or so of the first five on three. Pass around the perimeter, pass around the perimeter. They're enjoying all of their space. Um, I think after a shot and there was a whistle, Shifley and Connor got moving and they created a chance for Josh Morrissey. Then chances began in that first one, but it really never felt like they were on the precipice. And they had to call a whole timeout just to draw up a play and talk about moving on the on the second one in the third period. And at least that one looked dangerous for a minute, but that's where they lost the game. Yeah, um, you know, it was funny. I was listening to a bit of the OB pregame, pregame show beforehand, and they were talking to Brendan Dillon about, you know, the run the team had been on and where they are in the standings and the, the really positive first 20 games. And he had said that, well, you know, we're finding and learning ways to win in different ways. I mean, you know, we can run and skate with the younger teams uh, and then mix it up in the boring games 
like Dallas. And it was somewhat of a very accurate prophecy because, I mean, you do at a certain point have to tip your hat to Dallas. They know what kind of team they are. Peter DeBoer has them playing to a system. And it's a system that for talented offensive teams like Winnipeg can be very, very frustrating over the course of 60 minutes. Yeah, I mean, Winnipeg was gating the zone, but they were kept to the outside. Like, all their all their entries were in less than dangerous positions. They were largely kept to the outside, didn't create. When Dallas went up, and again, it really is. I mean, the, the Winnipeg Sports Talk turning point would be that 5-on-3. And what is it, less than a minute later that that goal goes in by Joe, Joe Pavelski? And the whole game turns. Dallas has no interest in a forecheck anymore. They're back and way off, but they are controlling how Winnipeg gets into the zone and they are controlling how Winnipeg tries to and doesn't quite get to attack the middle of the ice. I think that's where the whole tenor of the game shifted. I also wondered about, like, that was the most tepid first two minutes of hockey and hockey game I've seen in ages. And I don't know if it was just a bunch of guys with, with like, you know, they're human beings. They have hearts. They saw the cancer care presentation. They saw those kids. Is it hard to go skate, hit, and fight after that? I don't know. Or was it what Brendan Dillon was saying? Like, this is you're going to have to play boring hockey to, to, to beat this team. And they were so passive. They were so tentative, both teams, for the first couple of minutes or so. Um, I don't know, Huss. I, I think Winnipeg overcompensated. They were treating Dallas as such a such a barometer, such a measuring stick. And they got caught being impatient the first time they played. And uh, it felt like they, they never quite got on that aggressive front foot to, to actually... To, to even have run the risk of making a mistake for a little while. No, it seemed like both teams were more than happy to beat a 0-0 stalemate for a long time. And listen, I think from Dallas's perspective, when you're on the road playing a team that had been playing as well as Winnipeg, considering where they had been over the last four games or so, um, they were more than content in staying exactly in that point. And I- I'm sort of with you. I think the Jets became a little bit content saying, okay, well, as long as we're not giving anything up, we're still in this game. But at a certain point, there will be a turning point. And Rick Bonus talked about that. I mean, to give up a goal in the fashion that they did after having that five-on-three opportunity in a game like that, that can inevitably be a massive factor, if not the difference and turning point in the game. 100%. I mean, that's the moment it turns. The second goal is gravy more than anything. Um, you know, that's, that is what it is. I was also in this scrum with Pete DeBoer yesterday morning, and he seemed to be saying, and I, I guess Dallas had a particularly uncharacteristically bad defensive outing recently, and his focus seemed to be on getting everybody back to playing Dallas Stars hockey, and they believed in, in their patient system, and they believed in themselves and all of those ways that you saw them play. So maybe for them, they went into the game kind of trying to prove it, prove that they were good and legit and all of that. So they probably were getting the best version of their passive uh, passive system as well. Well, it is a good point. I mean, he, you know, they had a couple days off to think about and stew about giving up five in a row and blowing a 4-2 lead against the Calgary Flames at home and losing 7-4 in that game. Um, so, you know, that, that was, you know, there are a few games of the season that will be determined on very, very small margins. And, um, you know, again, I, for, for my part, and again, maybe it was because the team was winning. But I think we saw the power play sort of coming around, Murad. Interested in your thoughts on where the power play has been in the last couple of weeks as opposed to pretty stagnant earlier in the year. And any theory why a five-on-three power play can look worse than a five-on-four? 
I think the five on three, I'll start there. I think it looks worse than a five on four because they have so much space. There's there's almost no pressure to make them move, right? Any of that movement, whether it's bodies, whether it's pucks, has to be generated from the people. It's not a response to anything. It's not a reflex. It has to be a proactive decision. And I think that right off the hop on that first five on three, the decisions were just slow. The passing, I mean, the passing wasn't so slow, but it was just moving around the outside. Nobody was inching closer to a dangerous spot. The four players who didn't have the puck, they weren't particularly moving into more dangerous outlet situations for the guy with the puck. So they move it around and they don't get their shot. And, and that's what it is. Now, Shifley pointed out after the game that they got more chances than it seemed like. But no, for me, that didn't look like a dangerous 5-1-3, especially the first one. Um, and then in terms of it coming around, I, like, I've liked it at 5-1-4 up late. I, I really have. I thought that they, they have moved. I thought that they have created as a general rule in the last little while. PK still struggling, but they got some some good ones. You know what? That's actually sorry. Can I? I wanna. I wanna almost compare these Dallas Stars in a very different way to the Nashville Predators of 2017-18, in that Winnipeg is trying to be on the rise. Some good underlying numbers early, and some bad games as well. Everybody in town believes they're a playoff team. How high can they go? It's the deepest team we've seen in a while. And there's this one team that seems to have its number, the one that everybody sees in the West or in the division as one of the standard bearers. And so far, it's 2 nothing stars. Well, what's going to be interesting is when the Jets get a chance to get back at these guys later on this season on the road without that last change. And, you know, the Jets have been pretty consistent with running their four lines. But it did seem like, you know, Rick Bonus was looking more at trying to get guys out against certain lines to try to just give your top offensive players a little bit of more space. And then for the first time, basically this season, we saw some line movement brought. Um, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting to see Ehlers play with Shifley and Connor last night. I mean, maybe quick thoughts on that line as well as the other subsequent moves to accommodate moving 27 up with uh, 55 and 81. Yeah, I guess Bonus wasn't getting the spark that he wanted. And you know what? I think with with Gabriel Velarde, like just this ace up your sleeve, you know that you have to blow up at least one of the lines anyway or change, pardon me. It's easier to blow up the whole thing because you know that you're coming around on you know Wednesday heading into Thursday with, uh, with new lines and ideally a Gabriel Velarde's return. Um, so I think that may, I don't know. For me, that's why that seemed easy to do uh, on Tuesday night. In terms of the lines, it's funny. Like, I've never thought... Like, I think Shifley is a guy who's so good at what he does that he prefers on an almost a predictable brand of hockey. He like he seems to like Kyle Connor attacking seams at certain times. There's a little two-man game they play. I think Nikolai Ehlers can be confusing, and I think that I have thought that that might be frustrating before. First play of that trio being united, or first shift anyway, Nikolai Ehlers goes offside on a, on an entry attempt. And I'm just looking around like going, oh my goodness, is this going to work? But the second time that they tried, it went better. The third time they tried, Nikolai Ehlers made an amazing cross-ice pass to Shifley. Then Shifley burned Heiskin and drove the puck to the net. There was a scoring chance there. So for me, I liked the change. I thought it added some pop up top. And I thought that it genuinely... I mean, the game had its own complexion, the third period just pushing, but I thought that it genuinely led to positive chances and, and some nice looks. 
Um, so let's assume that Velarde comes back uh, against the Oilers. You know, Rick Bonus has said something that kind of contradicted what Arneal had said about a week ago before. I'm not sure if you caught him. I mean, Scott said when he's coming back, he's a top six forward. And then Rick had said, well, you know, when he comes in, he's not going to be playing 20 minutes a night right up there with the top. So I'm very unsure of how things look in the first game and whether that's changed from game two or game three. But um, where we stand right now with the potential of his return against the Oilers tomorrow, um, when Velarde's back in the lineup, where do you think he starts with and what does that do to the other lines? Yeah, you know, for me, I start with Lowry's line is untouchable. So I think that even though Lowry's line has often been the second line, when you think of a top six in the checking line or whatever in terms of old school hockey terminology, you can still sell Velarde as a top six forward if you put him with, say, Perfetti and Nemesnikov or Perfetti and Ehlers on that second line if if I follow or someone else is up top. Um, and then work him back into that Connor Shifley hole. Like, I think that you can still sell that he's a top six forward without playing him 20 minutes and all that sort of stuff. But if he's going, if he's really genuinely going, and I know that it could be tough. He's you know got a new knee brace now at this point, and um, who knows exactly how high he'll be flying right away. If it does work out, I'm sure Bonus will be tempted to go right back to Connor Shifley Bellardi on that top line. Uh, they had chemistry. Velarde helps protect the puck. He has a similar vision style, I think, to Shifley as well. Like for me, whether it's immediate or eventual, that's the one that they're going to try to cook with. So do we see... I'm a fan of Ehlers and Perfetti together. I think the more that they played together, the more they understand each other and we've seen the success that's come along with it. I didn't think we'd be talking about a potential possibility where Alex Iafalo has been so good is going to move from the first line to the fourth line but I guess that has to be on the table. We saw a little bit of that last night. Yeah, I think so. That's uh, you know, credit to him for you know some of the performances he had over the over his stint on that top line. Four assists one night. I mean, he was incredibly productive early. It's been a it's been a minute since he's been able to do that, and I think that it's just a situation where he's a versatile guy, and and that has run its course. And you look at the rest of what's been going on on the, that middle six, you have the opportunity to add Villardi to, the, to that group as well. And maybe it's got to be him. And whereas I once thought it would have been Nemesnikov, I think that you hear and see his chemistry with Ehlers developing. Rick Bonus seems to attribute Ehlers' success to Nemesnikov as well. So that it might be tempting for uh, if Villardi makes it all the way to the top line to keep Perfetti, Nemesnikov, and Ehlers together as sort of a secondary scoring line. So let's take a quick look at tomorrow night's tilt. The Oilers are off the mat. They almost blew it last night. I mean, they gave up those two late goals, and I thought we're fortunate to get it to OT and then one in a shootout. But right now for this team, it is just all about getting points. They've dug themselves such a hole. Um, a very different challenge for the Jets tomorrow night, taking on McDavid and Dreisaitl than what they went through last night with the Dallas Stars. Yeah, there, there's going to be desperation and... An incredible offensive surge. I think McDavid's up to 12 points in his last three games. Like, that's otherworldly stuff. Um, but with that desperation comes the opportunity to counterpunch. I think if it is an open game, Winnipeg will get his chances. Uh, even Stuart Skinner, I mean, who has emerged as the surviving goalie, it seems, so far uh, in Edmonton, his numbers aren't very good. And part of that uh, part of that collapse was a goaltending collapse. So whether it's him... Uh, or any of the other options Edmonton can throw, 
you have to think it's going to be a higher event game and you have to think that, you know, there's going to be some goals to be had as well. Um, so I like it. I like it as pure entertainment. Desperation opens up some weaknesses at times too. Well, the entertainment value I think will be greatly increased as opposed to last night. We were walking out of the building last night and it said, don't expect this on Thursday when the Oilers come to town. Um, but I would suggest this is a huge game for Winnipeg as much as every game is for Edmonton right now. Um, you know, you, you had that great run. They fell short in the game. They probably could have won, certainly lost the goaltending battle on Sunday. And then um, a game that I think they were really preparing themselves for came up just short. Um, next thing you know, you lose this game and you're on a three-game losing streak after everything you've done positively. I mean, that Edmonton's a desperate team, but I, I'm hoping that Jets come up with a real sense of urgency and continue to do what they've done for the most part this year, um, game in and game out. Yeah, I think that's what makes greats great. It's not that you figured out how to do the thing, play the right way, stay patient, but also aggressive and get your chances. It's that when stuff goes wrong, you can do it again. It's uh, when stuff goes wrong for a couple games in a row, you can do it again. You can go back to it. You can beat good teams that way. I mean, like, there, yeah, I, I always used to think about this and I need to modernize my thinking. But I think about Blake Wheeler on the Jets' power play for so many years. There are a lot of players who could make the same passes that he did. There were few players that could make them as consistently. It's not enough to figure it out one time. It's In the NHL, the greats do it all of the time. So I don't know if that's Kyle Connor in tight with a scoring chance or whatever. Like I, gotta, I need a new analogy on this front. Winnipeg needs to prove that this wasn't a 20-game flash in the, plan, in the pan, pardon me, that they've not only figured it out, but they know how to do it when things get tough and the and November picks up and they play against some good desperate teams. All right. Well, we'll have plenty of time tomorrow to get ready for Jets Oilers. Um, but I wanted to focus in on your latest in the athletic. And gang, if you have not read this yet, it is a must read for Winnipeg Jet fans. It's entitled A Franchise Icon, A Rising Hockey Star, and the Bond That Makes Them Better. Um, it is a really interesting dive into a growing relationship between Mark Shifley and Cole Perfetti. Um, how how long have you been working on this, Murata? I mean, you sort of teased that there was a couple long reads, things that you were excited to put out. The minute I read this, I was pretty sure this is what you were talking about, at least one of them. Give us a little bit of the backstory on putting this one together. Well, I was on that road trip last January, it was sort of the beginning of the darkness, actually, where they, the Jets struggled in Toronto and Ottawa and Montreal. I was on that trip, and I just had one of the best conversations with Mark Shifley that I had ever, in any capacity, had. Um, he was talking philosophy. He was talking biology. He was talking um, about mentorship. We talked about Adam Oates. Uh, and we got on to the idea, which is what I'd wanted to ask him about, was on the bench, I had noticed, like, you know, at that time he was playing on a line with Cole Perfetti, and on the bench they they were always hunched over an iPad. Like they were, it was a constant dialogue that you could see. The Jets sat them side by side in the dressing room, clearly by design. Um, you know, if you want to be sentimental about it, Shifley's longtime mentor Dale Howard Chuck. Well, it was Howard Chuck's wife Crystal who called Cole Perfetti's name when they were drafted, and so we've got this tie from the like Jets 1.0 greatness. Jets 2.0 franchise icon and a guy clearly on his way and Shifley's taken the guy under his wing and I wanted to investigate that and 
from there, from that great conversation, I learned some tidbits about a, a sushi dinner that didn't go so well, uh, a, a road trip that they went on, some of the formative parts of the friendship. And just as I got to sort of outline that story and get it going, Cole Perfetti got hurt. So we put it on the back burner, put it on the back burner. September hits. It's like, okay, I got I to gotta tell this story again. I go back at both players. They share more insight, more details, the movies, the music, the golf, the uh, the road trip to Michigan they took. Shifley's talking about Perfetti like he's family. Perfetti and Shifley both do this like almost cute thing where in the middle of a sentence, each one of them did this to me separately. Shifley says, Coles, well, we basically he's like my best, one of my best friends on the team. Perfetti said, oh, yeah, I mean, I used to, like, idolize this guy. I'm 14 years old watching him in the World Cup of Hockey. Now he's one of your best. Uh, he's one of my good friends on that, like, they're, like, afraid to name it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so after all these conversations, and both guys opened up real real good, that shared some inside baseball sort of stuff about what Shifley's been teaching Perfetti on and off the ice, the nutrition, finding space in the offensive zone, all that. It was just the, the best hockey nerd conversations. Then we go back. Um, the editors get excited about it. Hey, can we make this more of a New York Times style thing? And, you know, there's like a brief moment where it showed up on the New York Times page as well. And so it changes how you approach it. And like, I'm sitting on this thing for friggin' weeks, probably more than that, actually. And I just want to get it out. And thank goodness it's out there in the world. There's some real nice stories they shared in it. Well, and, 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 you know, in some ways, you know, like from a fan's perspective and a reader, um, the weight makes it almost more interesting because, you know, let's say that this had come out just after that road trip and things were going the way they were and Cole was out. It'd be like, oh, that's sort of a neat, interesting background. But there's a lot more to it now that you go through last summer. And you mentioned that trip where, you know, Cole's invited to, uh, you know, go roll with the big guys for uh, a week down in Michigan with, you know, a number of the top Winnipeg Jets and former Jet Andrew Kopp and really feeling a part of it. And and all of that, I couldn't help but while I was reading that, you know, relate that to how Cole Perfetti now feels and is a big part of this team when in the past couple of years he was sort of scratching and clawing to show that he belongs. And, you know, there's a maturity level of this relationship that I think comes out in the article over time. Um, but also, I think that's an interesting analogy to Cole Perfetti as a player right now, not only in a connection with Shifley in some ways, but also with his teammates. I think he's a player that's coming into his own, right? Like 17 points in 21 games. This is a player who is developing into the guy that the Jets hoped that they drafted. And Shifley, for his part, too, is having a heck of a season. 200-foot um, game most nights, offense as much as ever. And just loose and light and fun in the room in a way that, you know, we probably haven't seen since those Jacob Truba high school musical videos they used to shoot. And I think that, like, I think that part of what's making both players so good is the relationship that they have with each other. So that Perfetti, who, gosh, he, he's a driven guy, you know, the patience to wait for the health and all that must have been so tough. Having a guy to talk to about that would have helped. Having a guy talk to about how to, you know, make an impact and use his body to make space, even though he's not a bigger guy, like that helps. And I think that they're both bringing out the best in each other, which is something that you, 
you you want to be careful not to force that onto a story like oh let's just say that that's what's happening and it's catchy i think that that's the sincere truth of what's going on for these guys we've seen perfetti um contribute in a big way to a resurgent power play last night notwithstanding um at what point do we see Perfetti potentially play with Kyle Connor and Mark Scheifele? Do you think that's in the in the cards at some point, whether it's this season or in the future? And and, and when you think about that possibility, um, is it exciting to you? Yeah, for sure, there, I, I would see a lot of on ice chemistry between Scheifele and Perfetti. I could see that developing. They both just seem to have the ability to wait that extra quarter of a second to find a seam that nobody else saw. Like, Shikley passes under triangles, behind back feet. You can see all the passes he's made to Kyle Connor. That's one of the deadliest connections in the NHL right now. Perfetti thinks the game in a similar way. There's a timing element to those passes. You saw it to Nikolai Ehlers for that backdoor goal that he scored. And maybe that's a sign that they're best on, you know, on opposite lines doing that same sort of rule for other people. But I think that there's room for them to excel together as well. Kyle Connor, obviously, a, you know, an unbelievable finisher. I've wondered out loud about Perfetti, Shifley, and Velarde at times as well. Though, of course, then you have to find a new home for Kyle Connor. Um, there are options created when Winnipeg not just drafts a guy and hopes that he's a top six player, but develops him into that. The relationships are there. The vision is there. And his health has been a big part of that, too. Like, that's a role that he could own at some point in his career for sure. Um, has uh, has Perfetti's palate for sushi improved at all since his first dinner with uh, with Mark? Yeah, imagine, right? This guy you've watched since you were a kid. You know his OHL career since you were a child. At 14, you watch him start the World Cup of Hockey. You watch his NHL Jets career take off. He invites you over for dinner, and the food that he plates for you, you can't even stomach. So, like, Perfetti just doing his best to be respectful and humble and all that, and he's like... Anyway, so uh, yeah, sashimi not a not a go. He will eat raw fish in sushi rolls. That's it. It doesn't have to be cooked if it's in a roll. He's got other stuff on his plate. He bragged about six or seven vegetables he eats now. That was fun. And then has one of the things that made me laugh too is I guess it's an ongoing joke. Perfetti and Sandberg live together, um, and then I believe that Perfetti's girlfriend is in town as well. And he was saying that she teases him. It's an ongoing joke in their household that like, hey, you're not going to try this dish? If Shifley asked you to try it, you would. <laughs> and he's like, uh, actually, yeah, Katie, I, I, I probably would. Uh, sorry, sorry, but that's just how it works. Uh, listen, folks, you got to read it. Um, it is in The Athletic right now. Um, there's one other thing in, in The Athletic, and it's actually a nice little segue um, to the quarter point and you know this the stock watch the risers and fallers at the season's quarter point you know we had a conversation earlier this week coming out of the weekend on you know 20 games in quarter point to the season we were talking about grades for the team but also who was the MVP and it was interesting that everyone threw out a different name and I think it speaks to how many guys have been a part of the early season success of the Winnipeg Jets that have made a difference. I mean, there's certainly Kyle Connor, Adam Lowry, both on the ice and off the ice. Um, but I came back to Mark Shifley and you did as well. And, you know, maybe just coming off of what you told all of us fans with what happened with that relationship and the growing 
you know, mentorship, if you will, called Perfetti in his role. Um, I think back to when you were starting this, these interviews last year in January, when things went pretty sour for a couple months and we all remember how Mark's season ended. Um, I think because of that, he's the MVP of what he's done this year, considering how bad it got at one point last year where he wasn't even playing at center, but 20 games in, um, just thoughts on the way Mark Scheifele has played, the way that he has really seemed to buy into everything the team has been and uh, the success that's come along with that, both personally and for the club. Consider that during that stretch run, people were wondering, should Mark Scheifele be a long-term Winnipeg Jet? And then to go through that, go through that summer, you know, obviously the the dual deals with Connor Hellebuck, um, to approach this season exhale he's got the contract he's got the security and buy into the way that the team is playing i know that the shifley line hasn't outscored its opposition i think it's been 15 15 or something heading into last night uh, they haven't outchanced but when i watch the way that mark shifley is playing hockey right now he covers down low he tracks to his own crease there's a defensive urgency to his game there are plays that he breaks up and physical battles that he engages in and wins. Yes, sometimes when they're trying to stretch their offense, um, they their exits can suffer and that leads to chances against, for sure. And yes, you know the elite top lines of the league outscore their opposition instead of sort of sawing them off. But they've been doing that with Alex Iafalo as a winger. And for Shifley to have that consistent 200 foot capacity to his game run 23 points in his first 20 games as well you know scoring as much as ever um setting up kyle connor for a, a near league lead in goals impacting the power play last night excluded and then to to admit that i'm biased a little bit by what i've seen in the room this year certainly um his interactions with cole perfetti and that mentorship but there's stuff that isn't you know isn't recorded and isn't written as well and I've just seen so many moments where he's kidding around with David Gustafson or um, Axel Jonsson Fialbi or, you know, Dylan Sandberg is welcome on that team. Billy Hanel is welcome on that team. And I, I just, I took that concept to Cole Perfetti at one point and I said, hey, I thought that Mark Shifley wasn't supposed to be good with young players. And Perfetti said, Murat, that's crap. Like, I don't buy any of it. Everything that I see with him and these guys and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, absolutely not. He's been golden since day one. And... When I see all of that in the package that also leads or is tied for the team lead in scoring, I think that, yeah, that's my MVP for this season so far, even knowing there's good cases on line three and in goal and all that other stuff. Well, I mean, listen, it's a fun conversation to have. And, um, you know, considering where the team is, that being said, they're going to be up against it tomorrow against a resurgent Oilers team. Um, and, you know, just to put a bow on Shife, I mean, obviously we can't talk about his season without mentioning you know, the dual contract extensions for he and Connor Hellebuck. But I thought about this even last night after the game, uh, Murat. You know, uh, you know, it was a tough game. The team got shut out. Like last year in the second half of the season, Mark Scheifele's not speaking to the media. He's not wearing a Jets team hat, but hockey fights cancer, and kind of thoughtfully trying to go through at least his perspective of it. And to me, I, I'm just, you know, how is this contract and having everything that maybe was noise around him being taken care of how do you think that's helped him personally as well as being a guy that was wearing an a that is going to be a big part of this team for the foreseeable future yeah i see like two keys to this and one 
is when he gets that contract locked in, there is an exhale that he can do as a human being and say, okay, I have the security. He's not going to be looking over his shoulder at, you know, the trade rumors or any of that sort of stuff. He's a foundational part of Winnipeg, as he probably believed himself to be. But now he's got that in proof and in the contract and all of that that comes with it. I think that that's an exhale. You can just sort of relax and, and step into yourself a little bit more. Um, so I think that's part of it. I also think that this room, you heard Rick Bonus say it on Tuesday. My goodness, he, he was talking about why Winnipeg was a better team this year than last. And he said, well, hey, it goes back to opening up the dressing room and changing the leadership group last year in September. And we're still seeing the rewards of that. That's one of the things that I take away from that. This isn't Mark Shifley under Blake Wheeler's shadow and the two of them sort of quote unquote running the room, however much truth there was or was not to, to that perception. It certainly does feel as though it's a more everybody is welcome, everybody's voice is heard, there's less prickliness, there's more room for, I want to say, the full version of Mark Shifley to show up. And that includes the lightheartedness, that includes that hockey nerd that we saw and then saw get buried for a cliche monster when things got tough. And I think that he seems to me like a person right now who's embracing the full and positive and I want to say wonderful version of himself because when he gets going on those details of how hockey gets played, few people can chop it up better than Mark Shifley can. Put that all together. I'm I'm also noticing that last night asking the question, I'm asking these questions about the five on three, which clearly cost the team the game, right? This is the thing that the game turned on was the five on three. He's a part of that. He's a driving part of that. So he wears that. There was certainly the seething upset of they didn't win, all of that sort of stuff, but he was willing to get into it. He had the conversation. It wasn't a prickly version of the conversation. And I don't know. For me, that that just reads like maturity. I appreciated seeing that. Well, we know how he looks up to Connor McDavid and uh, appreciates the challenge. So uh be a good way to set the table for what should be a real fun Thursday night at Canada Life Center. Uh, gang, in the athletic right now, a franchise icon, a rising star, and the bond that makes them better. Must read for Winnipeg Jet fans. Great job as always, Murat, and thanks for jumping on today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. All right, great chat with uh, Murat. Definitely get out there and check that piece in the athletic if you haven't already. And um, listen, that homestand didn't start off great. Hopefully it changes tomorrow night when the WST crew is in the house for game number two of our four-game pack. Looking forward to seeing all of you there. If you weren't able to, for whatever reason, jump on the pack with uh, the WST gang, don't forget tomorrow, the Thirsty Thursday promo from the Jets. $69 ticket, including a beer. And as I suggested at the beginning of the show, um, see if you can get somewhere in that... um, well, we're in section 316 and 317. We'll be there in the bar of 316 before the game. So even if you're not able to join us for the other games in the package, get on down there tomorrow. Should be a great matchup. Oilers are hot. Jets need a win. And uh, hey, we get to see the best player in the world right here in Winnipeg. Not a bad deal at all from the Winnipeg Jets. And then huge weekend. Connor Bedard after Connor McDavid. And uh, then Monday, the Canes in town. First time we'll see those 48s jerseys. I've seen a lot more of those uh, lately. I couldn't believe how many of those jerseys I saw in Edmonton when I was at the game 
in the second week of the season. A lot of visiting Jet fans in Edmonton were rocking those as well. Anyways, all there for you. WinnipegJets.com slash tickets. Hopefully we'll see you there tomorrow night. Um, got a couple more qualifiers for this. The Trevor Linden autographed jersey from our friends at Vita Health. You see that certificate of authenticity and the full package of Prairie Natural Supplements from Canada's number one men's health brand. Congratulations to Rhonda Pershot and Herb Sturman. Rhonda and Herb, you're uh, in there for, geez, that's tomorrow's special marble race at the end of the game. We've been doing qualifiers all month long. We will still have two more marbles pulled tomorrow for the show. So if you haven't already, get to winnipegsports.com slash contest. Enter your name. We'll uh, add a couple more marbles tomorrow. And then at the end of tomorrow's show, everyone that is qualified will be in. And the winner will get this beautiful Trevor Linden jersey. And the full line of Prairie Natural Supplements, which are on sale all month at Vita Health Fresh Market. Of course, for Men's Health Month. They've got the great, always have great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. But with it being Men's Health Month, Prairie Naturals offers Canada's number one line of men's health supplements, helping males address the challenges with prostate health, andropause, low libido, testosterone, stress, male energy, and performance. On sale all month at Vita Health, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, our friends at Wallace and Wallace are busy right now. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. Um, they've been doing it since 1946 as the leaders in fencing, but also overhead garage doors. And that overhead garage door of yours had lots of ups and downs this summer and fall, but it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on your overhead garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace and Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today. For residential and commercial overhead door sales and service, there's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace and Wallace. And hey, December is just about here. And uh, the gang down in F Apparel are ready for the holidays. Just finished up that massive Black Friday sale. And guys, whether it's for the holidays or looking into 2024, if you need to up your menswear game, Get on down to F Apparel. Great deals on all summer long and really always. I mean, they've got custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles to go great with your suit and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. They do have a 15% discount for wedding parties. So if you're getting married, make sure to talk to the guys there about that. And don't forget, F Apparel gift cards make an amazing gift for uh, the male in your life that uh, might need a little upgrade in the clothing department. Find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. You can also make an appointment there to go down and see Andrew, Alex, and their great staff to get you looking like a million U.S. tax free. All right, speaking of looking like a million U.S. tax free, let's get uh, Ted Wyman in here from the Winnipeg Sun. Teddy, it is great to see you. Uh, have you recovered from uh, from Grey Cup? I, I, I'll be honest. I'm still somewhat under the weather about a week and a half afterwards. I think there was a few things that were caught by a lot of people in and around the Hamilton area, and there was a lot of fun to be had, which may have depleted the immune systems. Well, I don't know about uh, US $1 million tax-free, but I certainly feel like I'm a bit cleaned up after the last time I was on your show. Grey Cup's quite the... 
quite the event and uh, you, you kind of wear it when you're getting towards the end of the week. So um, actually, I felt great. So touch wood, uh, been just good, great so far. It was a great week, wasn't it, Hustler? I, honestly, I'm sure a lot of Bomber fans not happy about the final result, but it was a fantastic week in Hamilton and a great football game. And in my opinion, a great football season for the Canadian Football League. So many positive things came out of this season. And as a fan of the game, I I can't be more happy than that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, we're all still bent um, that the Bombers fell just short in winning the Grey Cup. But I have to say, from a CFL perspective, a Montreal market that had been going through some tough times in previous years, um, it was pretty awesome to see the way that city supported that championship. Then they won the Vanier the following week. Um, pretty good time for three-down football in uh, La Belle Provence. Yeah, Danny Machocha's hands over all over both of those programs too, right? So good on him. Um, I'm not even sure he was the first choice for GM of the Montreal Alouettes, but he sure has done a good job uh, with that. I think it's really great that, Pierre-Carl Pelado, who's a francophone owner, comes in and buys the team, and they're looking to give it that stamp uh, of real being a real part of Quebec and a real part of, uh, of Montreal on both the French and English sides, and then they go and win, and uh, one of their biggest stars is a French player in Marc-Antoine de Croix, and I think it just really... Uh, it was really good, but it's not just Montreal, you know. BC is such having such a revival. Toronto had better attendance this year, and they sold out the West Final. Um, their, their interest is up in terms of uh, television ratings all over the place. So, you know, I, I don't want to just sound like Randy Ambrosi here being overly positive because not everything is perfect, but that was a year of increased positivity. And after being involved in as a fan of this league and as a reporter covering this league, for so many years, it's just good to see something that seems to be on the upswing. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I mean, I think we all want a very healthy league, um, but want the Bombers to be back on top. And this is a, we knew that this was going to be the case, win or lose, Ted, that this offseason would be very different than last year. Um, how do you think the loss in the Great Cup, Cup, though, shapes the organization moving forward? I don't know that it makes that big of a difference, Huss, because they were going to be in some trouble in terms of uh, cap space anyways, um, in terms of signing some of their young stars and potentially retaining some of their uh, veterans. But the loss, in my mind, the way that it maybe affects things is in what Mike O'Shea said towards the end, or in his uh, season-ending press conference, was that maybe a couple of guys were considering retirement. And we asked about, uh, Kyle Walton about it today at his season ending press conference and announcing his new contract that, um, you know, what's the situation with those players who may be considering retirement? And he said, well, guys are going to say that after a devastating loss, right? Like they're probably more likely to say that they're not wanting to keep playing, not to go through, you know, the amount you have to go through to get to the point to the Grey Cup and then to lose it at the last second, it's got to be awfully gut-wrenching and and it makes you wonder if it's all worth it. So he said, you got to give it a month. You got to give everybody a month to really think it through and decide what they really think. So I don't think he's buying that anybody's really considering retirement yet. He'll believe that in a month and that's probably what we should do too. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> considering O'Shea will never rule a guy out until... The game's already been played. Uh, I would imagine 
everyone can sit on that for a little bit. We'll get to that in a minute. I guess the big no- news this week is that the brain trust is back. The Canadian mafia isn't going anywhere. Kyle Walters, along with Danny, uh, Danny McManus and Ted Govaya back here. Um, and I'm sure that was challenging for the organization, Ted. We've talked about the stress that this staff cap puts on a team like the Bombers that have a lot of guys that frankly probably deserve raises. Yeah, as far as I know, these guys who played a huge role in getting the Blue Bombers to four straight Grey Cups and winning two of them are going to come back for the same salary they were making because there's nowhere to give them a raise. And and that's really frustrating. And, and to be honest, the fact is there's nowhere in the league that they could have gone anyways, really. Like there's no openings for uh, a general manager and Walters isn't going to leave Winnipeg for anything else. He's already a general manager. And the other guys aren't likely to leave unless they're moving up to a general manager position. So they were kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. The Bombers had, I don't think the Bombers were squeezing them, but they didn't have much choice about what they could offer. And and these guys have to take what is there. And their reward, while they get to be a part of an organization that has won a lot and could continue to win, but as I wrote in my column that hasn't actually come out yet, uh, you know, Kyle Walters' reward is that he gets to now try to deal with this situation, which is that they don't know if they can bring back the same core exactly and, and potentially run it back again because they've got a lot of free agents and some of them are younger and are going to be expecting huge raises. And some of them are older and aren't going to be wanting to be pushed out the door. So it's going to be a really uh, challenging offseason. Kyle Walter said so himself. Hey, welcome back, right? Well, and of course, uh, in the midst of all of this, um, the Bombers are in a little bit of a waiting mode to find out what happens with Buck Pierce. Um, yeah. A lot of... A lot of smoke. We haven't yet had the white smoke come out of the uh, Saskatchewan Green smoke. He- head office. Green smoke, yes, indeed, to announce their new head coach. But um, by all accounts, it's down to Buck and Corey Mace. Um, what are you hearing on the Riders' head coaching situation? What might that mean for the Bombers if Buck Pierce is their guy? Both excellent candidates, by the way. I mean, really, they're both deserving of this opportunity. Um, it really comes down to, for the riders, exactly who's the right fit for that organization. Maybe whether they want a more offensive guy or a more defensive guy. But as as many people have pointed out, Mike O'Shea is a, a, you know, does a fine job of coaching. And he was a defensive player and he was a special teams coach before he became a head coach. Doesn't He doesn't really have anything to do with the offense, but the Bombers do just fine. So you don't have to have a great offensive mind. Uh, to be a, a great head coach. So we'll see on that front. But, you know, we all know Buck Pierce well here in the media. This is a man who's been part of the organization for, I think, 14 years now. Um, he's been uh, he's been a coach for a long time. He's been um, he's been a, a quarterback's coach, running back, running backs coach. He's been the OC for the last few seasons. He's a guy that really uh, has bled Winnipeg Blue Bomber football, and he's paid his dues. So he deserves this opportunity to move on and to become a head coach. And it sounds like it could be a fantastic opportunity in Saskatchewan. Um, it you know That's a team that's really struggled and they didn't have a very good head coaching situation for the last few years. So they're looking for somebody to really turn it around. It's a big, big chance for him. And Mike O'Shea says he's ready and I have no reason to disagree with him. I, I think he'll be excellent at it. But 
Um, from what I've heard, Huss, it should be done this week. So I'm guessing it will be done by Friday. They'll make their decision. They'll make their announcement. But, you know, it's if, if it, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going to do anything right, <laughs> and they haven't done a lot right in the last few years, it's get this decision correct and do their due diligence and make sure they make the right choice because they don't have a lot of options right now. Uh, if, if they're going to, if they're not going to be a good team in the next couple of years, you know, I don't know what happens out there. They're, they're losing fans. People aren't, aren't happy. It's, it's something they really need to rectify. Well, yeah, I mean, we're just talking about how like Montreal's doing well and BC's kind of on the comeback and the Argos are moving forward. The riders have been going in reverse and that for a long time had been the franchise in the Canadian Football League. The Bombers have taken that mantle over the last few years, both on the field and in the stands. I will say this, though, Ted. I mean, there's a lot of pressure that comes along with that job. And, uh, and to be frank, I don't have a lot of confidence in the rest of the operation running the show that would maybe put whether it's Mace or Buck in a chance to go and really succeed, especially in a pretty tough Western division with very good teams in Winnipeg, in BC, a Calgary team that you would assume will be better, and an Edmonton team that clearly is moving in the right direction. And I have to agree with you. And when you think about it, um, like he's going to, whoever comes in there is going to want to put their own mark on that team. But from what I heard, Scott Milanovic wanted to be a part of this, and the Rough Riders decided he wasn't the right guy because Milanovic wanted too much control. So if they want to have all the control, if they want to decide who's going to be the assistant coaches, if they want to decide you know, how things are going to be done uh, and, and the head coach isn't going to have as much of a say as he wants to have, that's already going to be a tough situation. So um, you have to make sure that, uh, that it's absolutely – um, perfect for you. And if I'm Buck Pierce, I want to come in and I, sorry, or Corey Mace for that matter, I would want to come in and I'd want to establish my own staff, bring guys that, that I trust. You know, people have talked about him potentially bringing some guys from the Winnipeg staff. You wouldn't be shocked if he did. Um, maybe you want to bring in Drew Brown if you're Buck Pierce, because Drew Brown is going to be a fairly highly sought after free agent after having an excellent season as the Bombers backup. Now the Riders do have Trevor Harris, who's a veteran, and you certainly would not uh, suggest that he's going to be just thrown out the door. I don't think he is, but also he's an older player, I think 35 and, and at least 35. And if you're thinking, well, can we bring in a 26 year old that has a bright future? You probably want to. There's, there's some bomber fans, honestly, Huss right now that are thinking the same thing. Even though Zach Claros has <laughs> been the best player in the league for the last four years, there's even some bomber fans thinking, well, maybe we want the 26 year old. Uh, to, to, to take over sooner than later. So um, I expect that uh, whoever goes in there needs to make sure that they're going to be able to put their stamp on that organization. Because if it's me and I'm thinking about who's been running the show up till this point with some of the mistakes they've made, I don't know if I'd want to trust it, that uh, if, if they're left with too much control, that it's going to work out. Yeah, uh, let me just say for the record, I have heard this, uh, similar things from a few people, and the thought of moving on from Zach Caleros for Drew Brown at this no. point is absolutely patently insane. Um, you know, appreciate what you have, and I know that Zach didn't have his uh, his best game in the uh, in the Great Cup, but 
I mean, remember what this city and this team was like before Zach Caleros got here? Um, and here's the thing. I mean, has Drew Brown showed glimpses of some potential? For sure. But, I mean, I'm not convinced that he's a starting quarterback, one of the best nine that goes into one of those other spots. And that's why I'm really not too sure what is out there for him because I think he realizes that there probably is a path to the starting job here in a couple years. And consistently, consistency, staying under Zach, learning under Zach, I think would be good for him. Um, that being said, time is everything right now, especially in professional football. And you maybe don't have that time to wait. And if there is a spot elsewhere in the league that will give you a legitimate chance to start, which probably isn't here, I would understand him making the move. Um, regardless of who the quarterback is, we know who the quarterback is going to be. If Buck Pierce is the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, where does that leave the Bombers when it comes to the OC? Keeping in mind what we talked about earlier with this staff cap, um, I'm not sure how much money they'll be there for an OC. And might we see a younger, less proven guy that comes in on a bit, a bit cheaper of a deal, frankly, Ted? Yeah, so I'm not going to try to pretend I have inside information on this. I don't. Um, I would be, I'm speculating when I say any of this, but obviously Paul LaPolice's name, com, name comes up with a lot of people because he's available, right? He was the head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks. He was fired last season. He's been working with TSN. He, you know, we, I don't know if you ran into him at the Great Cup Hus, but I certainly did a few times and chatted with him. And he, you know, he said he wants, the family likes Ottawa. They're enjoying that. He's liking being on TSN. I don't think he said he wasn't interested in being an OC again, but, uh, you know, I mean, there's going to be more than just uh, just his desire to be back in it to be considered because he does have other options that he likes. Uh, and so and then there's the money. Can they afford to bring back Paul Apolis? Can they could they pay him that amount? So that's a good question. Would you have to potentially promote from within and who might you have that you could do that with? I will tell you the one name that I've heard in the past as a potential OC in the CFL is Marty Costello, who's the Blue Bombers offensive line coach now that's probably a little bit of an unconventional idea to have a guy go from offensive line to offensive coordinator but the name has been mentioned and um i should throw it out there uh there's other guys uh, obviously who are offensive minded people in the organization not sure if anyone's quite ready to make that jump to oc you know buck mentored under paul apolice for a few years before he got the opportunity to take over so you probably want somebody more like that. And maybe you're going to look outside the organization, but where that money is going to come from, I don't know. And that's why there's so much, you know, the, the first delay for this team getting on with its offseason was making sure that it got Walters and McManus and Gavea signed and, uh, and sealed and delivered and ready to start working. The second delay is finding out what happens with Buck. And I think they'll find that out this week because there's not much you can do really until you know. Who's going to be that OC? You want all the players that you're offering contracts to to know who that OC is going to be. And, and I think that's really going to be very important, uh, a very important first step for this team. And that, of course, is only if Buck is the one who leaves and goes to Saskatchewan. But again, as, as Kyle Walters said today, this is a different offseason. It is not like every other year to this point it's much more challenging there's a whole lot of dominoes that have to fall into place and then there's a whole lot of work to be done um ted just as far as the veteran players um 
and I'm with you. I mean, Mike O'Shea is going to wait and just see how guys feel after Christmas into January. But uh, who, in your opinion, who are the most likely guys to retire? You know, Stanley Bryan has never talked about it. You know, he they, he doesn't. He's he just likes playing. He wants to play. O'Shea said he's still one of the best offensive linemen in the game right now, and probably will go down in history as one of, if not the best of all time in this league. Um, he's 37 years old, but there's there's older guys playing offensive line. There's one in the NFL that's 41 right now. It's not impossible. And as long as he's still doing his job, which he wasn't the he wasn't as good as he was this year as he has been in the past. He wasn't, but he was still really darn good. And I'll tell you who really likes Stanley Bryant being uh, protecting his blind side, and that's Zach Caleros. And if Zach Caleros is going to be lobbying to have Stanley Bryant back, that's going to be a pretty important person in his ear. And the Bombers are going to look to make that another one of their foundational building blocks. This team is always built around the offensive line. They don't have anybody under contract right now except for backups. So I see them starting there. We'll find out soon enough whether Stanley's going to be the guy or not. It wouldn't. Would anybody be shocked if Stanley decided to retire at age 37? I don't think so. But I certainly wouldn't be shocked if he came back either. And, you know, Jamarcus Hardrick had one of his best years. He was the West Division nominee for most outstanding offensive lineman. Thrilled about it. Bleeds blue and gold. Loves being a part of this team. Is as enthusiastic as he's ever been at age 33. But he's often been a guy who said, yeah, I, I think about it a lot about retirement. He thinks about it every year. And and Pat Newfeld is age 34, just uh you know, he's recently become a father and, and there's things that maybe give different factors for people. A lot of people throw out Adam Big Hill's name. He's 35 years old. Um, he's got a, another career here in Winnipeg in financial advisement. He's, uh, you know, uh, he's obviously getting towards the end of his career, but still had an excellent year. He was a CFLPA all-star. And I asked him point blank and he said, have I played my last down of football? By no means have I. So... He, he expects to come back and play. So if you're asking me, you know, who these guys are, that are these couple of guys who are leaning towards retirement, I couldn't tell you for sure. It was pure speculation. For all I know, it could be somebody who's younger and just wants to move on with their career in a different way, right? So uh, we will have to see how that shakes out. But obviously, when players are over 34, 35, you have to think that they're thinking about it every year. I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah, Big Hill strikes me as a guy that's going to need to be dragged off the field kicking and screaming <laughs> at some point. So uh, He's still uh, super valuable, too. Yeah, first things first, we'll see what happens uh, to the West in Saskatchewan with Buck Pierce, and then all systems go on what will be a very interesting bomber offseason. And uh, Ted, we'll need to uh, chop it up on a little curling coming up in the next couple of months back in uh, getting into the, the roaring game season. Uh, thanks for doing this, pal. Always great to have you on, and we'll look forward to your column tomorrow in the Winnipeg Sun. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Huss. Have a great day. Good stuff. There is the drip master himself, Ted Wyman, with us on WST. We're going to talk some moose coming up in just a second. Danny Jilkin jumping on the program live. Looking forward to that. Um, of course, you know, when we talk bombers on this program, we do it courtesy of our wonderful sponsors, Princess Auto, who, of course, are also big backers of the blue. Welcome, McFans, to that Princess Auto tailgate zone all season long. With the holidays upon us, gang, um, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Plenty of amazing holiday gift ideas and everything that you or the person you're giving the gift to needs to complete all those projects on the list or start something new. 
It's all at Princess Auto. Pop down and see them. Panet Road, Portage Avenue West in Winnipeg. And shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Uh, speaking of holiday gift ideas, uh, whether you're looking for Jets gear, bomber gear, some very, very cool old school limited edition moose hats that Royal Sports just did, um, or your favorite NFL teams, Major League Baseball, NBA, it is all at Royal Sports, not to mention all that cool stuff on the Kings skate, snow, and surf side. Uh, one trip to 750 Pemina Highway can probably save you a lot of time and a lot of frustration when you're getting ready for cr the Christmas season. So get on down there, Manitoba's number one sports superstore with the biggest and best selection of gear around is Royal Sports. And follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops, sale information, and great holiday gift ideas. And uh, hey, don't forget, I see Randy D's in the house, the Yin Vivian, everyone there chatting it up, talking fantasy football. We'll be doing that in person next Wednesday at Little Brown Jug for the Winnipeg Sports Talk Holiday Party, all in support of the cheer board right now. Uh, tickets are available. We do have limited capacity, so please, if you can, get a ticket now. Do it in advance. The link's in the description. Um, every cent from the, I believe, $12 or $11.98 is going to go to the cheer board. We're going to be doing a special draffle there for some more prizes to uh, raise some money for the cheer board. We'll be enjoying all that great little brown jug beer. And we'll be enjoying Boston Pizza, our favorite. And big thanks to the great folks at BP who are going to be sending a bunch of pies over for us that night and helping us raise some money for the Christmas cheer board. Of course, slower night tonight, only three games in the NHL. Tomorrow, though, Jets are back. Cowboys and Seahawks kick off the week in the NFL no better place to get together with the gang than watch the big game than your local Boston pizza, world-famous BP wings, ice-cold schooners, those great gourmet pizzas, and more. Make it a BP night today. And, hey, if you are staying at home, you can always get the great taste of Boston pizza delivered hot and fresh and ready to go from bostonpizza.com. Um, moose are back after a big road trip. And really looking forward to this. For the first time on the program, we welcome in Moose Center, Danny Jilkin to the show. Danny, what's going on? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? Great. How are you? Uh, doing well. You know, we, uh, it was a tough one last night for uh, for the Jets. They kind of got squeezed by the Dallas Stars. But it's been a great start for the, uh, for the big club right now. And um, I'm really interested in you. I mean, 15 games into your professional career, playing pro in the American Hockey League level for the first time. Um, how's the pro experience for you been for you so far with the Moose? It's been awesome living the dream. Obviously, this is something I've, you know, looked look forward to my whole life. And obviously, it's a big step in my career. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far. And it's been going pretty great. You know, you have a, such an interesting background in that, you know, you were born in Russia, played there young, but came over here quite early. Um, for for fans that, you know, have heard your name, remember when the Jets drafted you, but, you know, don't know a lot about your story, take us back a little bit and uh, give us um, your upbringing, when you came here, and uh, kind of your hockey path that brought you here to Winnipeg. Yeah, I was born in uh, Moscow, Russia. I started actually playing hockey with Nikita Chibrikov, who is my line mate now, and <laughs> A lot of fun with him and yeah i moved to canada to toronto canada when i was nine years old i was here for a camp for two weeks and a coach just saw me and asked me to play the following season so my whole family moved and 
now we uh, reside in Oakville, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. What was the, um, what was it like? So young. We hear a lot of Russians come over, you know, there may be 16 or 17 playing a year in the OHL. I mean, nine years old is pretty darn young to be making a move, especially for hockey. Yeah, I think at that age, you don't really, you know, understand what's going on. You just kind of do what your parents tell you to do. So I think the language barrier was probably the hardest thing to overcome. But, you know, it, it came by pretty quickly for me. And obviously, I think I'm I'm okay at it now. So no issues there. But yeah, it's been obviously an adjustment, but it's uh, been going great. You know, um, you know, playing in, uh, I mean, listen, we know there's uh, the hockey scene in Ontario is wild. I mean, there is... Uh, an incredibly competitive minor hockey circuit. Um, and then, of course, you've got the OHL. Um, what were those early years like before you then kind of graduated to uh, being a star for the Guelph Storm and then finishing up in Kitchener? It was awesome. I think, you know, in your Bantam minor midget kind of OHL draft here, you don't really realize what's going on until you hear these, like, you know, rankings come out and stuff like that. And then, you know, the pressure is on you to perform at such young age and, you know, the mental side of hockey comes into that as well. And yeah, I was lucky enough to get drafted by the Guelph Storm and unbelievable franchise who kind of raised me and got me to where I am today. Well, and of course, speaking of being drafted, uh, 2022, third uh, round, 77th overall. Um, what do you remember about uh, hearing your name called by the Winnipeg Jets? That must have been, that must have been something, frankly, you've been working on probably since you came to in North America. Yeah, of course. Uh, I just remember there sitting anxiously waiting for my name to get called and then Winnipeg came up and said my name, and I, I don't even remember walking down the stairs. I think I kind of blacked out. I think uh, 30 minutes to an hour after, I kind of, you know, looked at the jerseys I'm wearing, and, you know, my dream's coming true. So it was a special moment for sure. So you uh, you, you finished up last year in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, fill us in on what this offseason was like preparing to make that jump to professional ranks and uh, being within the Winnipeg Jets organization. Yeah, a little different, I think. You know, now coming into pro hockey, you're kind of fighting for jobs. And, you know, this is something you've worked for your whole life and you don't want to let this chance kind of slip. So, you know, kind of uh, training with a chip on my shoulder and trying to do the best I can every single day, especially now. And, you know, trying to stay in the lineup as a rookie every day. You mentioned the mental challenges of a young player. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this project you've done before on the show, and it's great to have you here. I mean, you've uh, worked with um, worked with people for basically a program for younger people um, you know, looking at the challenges of mental health, especially as we talked about with the pressures on young players, particularly young high-performance athletes and hockey players with high expectations and the stakes being so high. I mean, tell us a little bit about how this came to be and uh, um, how it's maybe helped you and helped others. Yeah, I started an organization uh, called Jilkins Vision in August of 2022. Uh, it was with my girlfriend, Lauren Schaas. She's currently studying uh, a doctor in sports psychology at James Madison University. So she's got kind of that sports psychology background as well. And me being a professional athlete, we thought it would be, you know, pretty, pretty cool to combine our platforms together to show people how mental health, you know, it's a, it's a really big thing, not just hockey, but other sports as well. So we've gotten uh, tremendous support. We've raised uh, $1,300 with a jersey raffle that we did uh, in a Guelph Storm game back in October of last season. So uh, all that money went to Canadian Mental Health Association and we've been to many other events where we spoke spoke about mental health. So it's been been awesome uh, to work with with Lauren so far and it's been going great. You know, and that is something that, uh, you know, of course, is very close to the entire True North family with the Project 11 um, that I'm sure you've learned about with Rick Rippon. 
Um, but on a personal level, what's it like to have a girlfriend that's a sports psychologist? How much has she helped you? I mean, you know, at this point when you're, uh, you know, you're cutting your teeth and you're moving up into a very new stage of your professional career. Yeah, Tom, she's been, she's been awesome. It's, you know, super thankful and proud of her for doing what she's doing there. And this is her third degree now that's going to be when she graduates. So, yeah, she's a big help for sure. Danny Jilkins with us from the uh, from the Manitoba Moose. Let's talk about uh, now uh, what's happening on the ice with the club. Um, how have you found that the, the, the graduating from the OHL just to the AHL, the biggest differences and the biggest challenges for a young player um, getting used to the pro game? I think the biggest thing is just speed and strength. The guys here are so much, so much faster and so much stronger than in the corners. If you're, you know, if you kind of lose a footing on a guy, he's going to be gone and you're not going to be able to catch him. So I think the biggest thing is just uh, the speed and the, and the strength for sure. Um, what about the, uh, like, how would you compare the, the travel and just the routine? I mean, uh, as well as going from a more veteran drafted player in the OHL to uh, being amongst a bunch of young players, which is probably pretty cool to be part of this Moose team this year. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a change, uh, of course, coming coming and being a rookie again. It's like my uh, first OHL year, kind of flashbacks from that. But uh, the veteran guys have made it pretty easy for us. They're super helpful. And, you know, our travel is, uh, is great. Eh? We always fly everywhere to games. And, you know, we get great hotels and, and great meals as well. So. Um, you mentioned uh, Nikita Chibrikov. You guys go way back to when you were tykes learning the game back in Russia. You played with him quite a bit. Uh, what was the reunion like when you guys got together for the first time? And uh, how has it gone playing with him for the better part of this season in your first 15 games pro? It was cool. He actually texted me right after I got drafted because he was drafted the year before. So it was, uh, it was cool to see that. And he's going he said kind of, you know, we might play on the Jets together one day, but here we are in the Moose now. And yeah, it's been awesome to play with him. He's a super smart, skilled player, and yeah, it makes it makes it pretty easy to play with him. I imagine the connection between you guys, you know, is something unique. I mean, it goes back. I'm not sure how much you're remembering from your mighty might days as eight year olds or whatever back in Russia, but um, you know, for a player like you know of your uh, mold that you know has scored at a high level that tries to do everything right. He's a guy that certainly has an offensive punch, but also has quite a bit of a bite to his game. I mean, uh, how does he uh, how does he help you guys do what you're trying to do when you're out there on a the line, regardless of whether you're with Bon Giovanni or uh, uh, Jeff Mallott, another great veteran on the club? Yeah, I think a uh, good thing about him is obviously, as you say, he's super skilled, but he's not afraid to go into the you know to the dirty areas and dig the puck out. So, uh, yeah, he's not only super skilled and smart; he gets the puck as well. So that makes it pretty easy for us to play. Um, Danny, uh, tell us about just the, the moose room this year. I mean, uh, a lot of talented, young drafted Winnipeg jet prospects playing with the club. Um, certainly some great veterans. I mean, uh, what's it like being a moose right now and, uh, the dynamics within that locker room with a lot of young guys, as well as some guys that I'm sure you're learning a lot from every day. It's awesome. I think, you know, we have a pretty tight group in there and it's always fun and jokes in the room and, you know, we're all, we're, we're a pretty tight group, I think. For our, you know, younger younger players like myself, we're kind of all in the same step in our in our career. Kind of, you know, first games as pro. So uh, we're hoping to all one one day play for the Jets, and we're kind of creating those relationships early. Um, what uh, what's the do you have like? Is there a crew of young guys that are all like 19, 20, 21 that uh, you know you live together and hang out together when uh, you're here in Winnipeg? I think there's a few guys who live together. I think Kuzmin and Chibrikov live together there. 
I think there's not many other guys who live together, but we're always around together. Knazov, uh, him and his wife had us over for dinner a couple of, couple of times, all the Russians. So it's uh, yeah, pretty pretty special group. Uh, how have you enjoyed Winnipeg so far? It's been awesome. I think the people are great. Uh, the food's great wherever I go to eat. So it's uh, yeah, it's a cool place. Do you have any go-tos? I mean, have you already discovered? I mean, a favorite restaurant or two that uh, now you're telling the other guys you got to come here with me? I think Frankie's in the in the west side of town. I think that's a it's a pretty good place, Italian. Yeah, shout out to our pal Joey Allo. He'll he'll, he'll love that uh, little dap from uh, from Danny Zilkin on the program. Um, uh, club coming back at home. You had a big road trip. Uh, you know, finished it off with a win. Um, how's the uh, how's the week been preparing to get back at it coming up get, against this weekend again Friday night and a Sunday afternoon tilt against uh, a team you guys play quite often in the Rockford IceHogs. Yeah, they're a fast skilled team. I think uh, we've been struggling in our D zone and our kind of neutral zone a little bit, so I think we're tightening that up and I think we can we can compete with those guys for sure. I think you know we haven't done the way we want to against them and. We have a ton of skill and, and talent on our team as well. So I think if we stick to our defensive side of the game, I think we can compete with them. Danny, listen, this has been a lot of fun having you on the program for the first time. Uh, wishing you and the squad good luck on Friday and on Sunday afternoon and the rest of the season. And uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, following your progress throughout uh, this year in the American Hockey League. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting again some point soon at the rink and here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks a lot for doing this and uh, all the best going forward. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. There's Danny Jilkin in the Manitoba Moose on WST. Shout out to our pal, the Fink. Daniel Fink, who uh, helped us set that up. And, of course, Daniel will have the call. All games available at moosehockey.com. And I wouldn't be surprised. I should have checked this before. But quite often when there's a Sunday afternoon game, Fink will uh, be cranking that out on the airwaves of the Superstation. 680 CJOB as well. As we mentioned, um, we do have... The uh, games this Friday night, Rockford at Manitoba, and Sunday afternoon, December third, and I'm pretty sure that this is the uh, the uh, the Christmas game um, where there's going to be uh, free picks with Santa and whatnot. So if you're thinking about a good game to bring the kids out to, uh, think about the game on Sunday afternoon. Um, and Remo, we do actually have some tickets to give away. I meant to send those to you before. I will shortly, but. Uh, Another good reason for people to sign up for the newsletter, I'd uh, suggest. Yeah, so the this Sunday's game is uh, RCMP 150. The holiday game is December 15th. We can get photos. Oh, 15th. Okay. Sorry. With Santa. That's okay. Friday. Uh, this Friday is the Hockey Fights Cancer game in support of Camp Quality. And I don't know if we, I don't think we mentioned this. I knew, know you and Marat did, but the, the True North ceremony for the Hockey Fights Cancer is oh. A+. Pl- A+. Plus a plus every year. Uh, hard not to get uh, emotional watching it, but uh, you know they raise a lot of money for uh, for uh, Cancer Care Manitoba Foundation. It's really uh, God. You're I, ju- you know what? Just you mentioning that yeah. is bringing me back to being in the arena last night. And yes. I mean Jay Richardson cranking out the descriptions of what yes. these young children have been through. And again, I mean, you now probably think of this differently with you know with uh, your little ones, but for sure, uh, I mean to wrap your head around the battles that some of these young kids have been through. I mean, it is uh, put it this way that I don't think there were very many dry eyes in the place last night, and um, 
it is um it, it, it's phenomenal but and i would say this like a lot of this stuff is sort of taken a back seat because of all the other bs around um you know what the rules have done this year with the reaction to you know everything that happened last year and they're not wearing the jerseys anymore and unfortunately i mean and i said this right when they made that decision i was afraid that was going to take away from nights like this um and it was totally unnecessary at the same time. But um, even without those jerseys, and I knew they did do a jersey auction, I think because the game went so late, they raffled those off right at the end as well. Um, but the job that you know the Jets, the Moose, True North have done for this has always been A+. And yeah, that, um, you know, as much as it was disappointing to lose that game for Jet fans walking out, I think everybody realized that um, when you go through a presentation, hearing the stories of those young warriors, um, it it puts it into perspective. Not that we shouldn't all have perspective on what we love, which is you know following our teams and going to games and taking it all in. But um, it, it also makes you just feel how lucky you are wherever you are right now. If you if you haven't had to have battles like that, especially at such young ages. Yeah, I mean, uh, as a young parent myself, I can't imagine having to go through that, uh, watching your kids, um, you know, have that type of rough experience, um, having cancer. It's uh, You definitely got emotional, and again, the True North, they do that ceremony, and Jay Richardson uh, telling the stories there. Uh, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking seeing that stuff, and yeah, getting... It is a, a lot of a lot of those stories, though. Um, you know, as much as it's horrible to hear about what these young people were going through, um, you know, kind of finished up with some real positive trajectory and directions. Although, as we know, um, you know, many times those battles don't stop for years and years and years. And uh, the young ones will keep fighting. And uh, obviously, uh, any way you can support it, please do. Um, so uh, the hockey fights cancer on the moose side of things coming up mm -hmm. on Friday. Yeah, yeah, and going back, yeah, mentioned the the newsletter too. Yeah, we'll have uh, notifications on that, or I'll tweet out the link um, when we have it up. Uh, if you want to get in on some moose tickets for for this weekend, so you bet. Stay on top of that, and you can yeah. always head over to WinnipegSportsTalk.com slash contest as well though uh for tomorrow you got one more chance to enter for the linden jersey big marble race tomorrow a special edition marble race on thursday um i have to thank nick and nikki dq uh by the way nick always there for us since day one um they're going to be uh putting together some uh, delicious dq ice cream treats that we'll have for our guests along with that boston pizza uh at the uh, holiday event next wednesday at little brown jug Link in the description. Grab your tickets now. We'll see you there. Big WST party finishing up 2023 with uh, with the whole gang there. Um, and in the meantime, you want to support Nick and Nicky DQ by chowing down on some delicious DQ product. You know where to get it. DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ Niverville. And don't forget the new Pita Pit in Niverville as well. If you've got catering needs, hit them up on Twitter or Instagram at Pita pit neverville all right slow night tonight and we'll get to the cool bet lines in a second remo but uh we do have a little bit of gabriel velarde today who uh always a good sign when they're speaking to the media that means they're just about ready to go yeah we went over the lines at the start of the show he was practicing on the fourth line um with gustafson and baron 
Uh, notably, we didn't mention this before. He was practicing on the top power play um, with Shifley, Ehlers, Velarde, Connor, Morrissey, and Cole Perfetti uh, moved on to power play two. Uh, we'll have to see how that looks, but uh, positive sign. And he spoke to the media. I think that it indicates that he's probably going to be in tomorrow against Edmonton. But uh, I think this is the first time that he's spoken for a while and you know, discussed the frustration with being out, but also um, had some comments on the hit itself, Hus, that I think people would want to hear. Yeah, well, let's do it. It's been a while since we heard from Gabriel Velarde. Had a great chat with him at training camp on Winnipeg Sports Talk on uh, the trade and being here. Had that great start. And now has had to watch his team um, do quite well in his absence right now. Here's Velarde on just the frustration that comes with that injury. Yeah, I mean, every time you get hurt, it's, uh, it's frustrating no matter who you're playing. But, uh, yeah, I was excited, and then uh, that's how it goes, though. Um, was it just, in your eyes, just kind of a freak accident, freak play, the kind that can sort of happen in a contact sport? Uh, I think you could say that, but at the same time, no, I don't, um, personally. I think it was kind of a play that doesn't need to happen, but uh, what am I supposed to do now? Was it disappointing that a former teammate of yours, a guy who played with you for four seasons? No, no, I played with him a lot. He's done a lot of little things like that. It's stuff that, you know, you guys say it's an awkward fall. It's not an awkward fall. It's uh, someone pushing your feet out from the back. My knee gets caught under me, and then he tackles me. It's uh, it's that simple. Um, I was pretty close to being gone for the rest of the season. So, I mean, it's it's frustrating to look at stuff like that and think about it. Um, obviously, I don't think his intent is to hurt me. But uh, when you make plays like that, it's, it's a stupid play. And uh, it's frustrating to think that guy sits in the box for two minutes, and then I have to deal with what I've dealt with for the past uh, month and a half. But... Uh, that's life. Um, now I'm here and uh, looking forward uh, to playing again, just having fun again. It's tough when you're by yourself and uh, recovering. Sorry, go ahead. Did Blake reach out to you? That's between me and him. And I'm not going to get into that. That was a hell of a soundbite from uh, Gabriel Velarde. He is pissed off. And uh, I-, I can't blame him. I mean, it was a very reckless, dangerous play, I thought, by Lazat. Um, and we knew that the potential was there, as Gabriel Velarde said, to potentially be out even longer than the six weeks that he was. I mean, I remember we were on the show the next day or two days afterwards when we got the word that it was going to be four to six weeks, and we said on this program, that kind of feels like best-case scenario because of how dangerous it was, Reem. Yeah, these are some uh, quotes, and you know, they're at, you know saying, hey, was it a freak accident? And he says, uh, just to repeat, I think it was a play that doesn't need to happen. I played with uh, him a lot. He's done a lot of things like that. Uh, not an awkward fall. Someone pushing your feet out from the back. My knee gets caught under me, and he tackles me. And, yeah, you could see by the way he fell back, um, you know, going after the knee. Um, and, again, we thought, as you said, we thought we were we were there. We thought he was out for a long time. I mean, four to six weeks uh, was, you know, I think best-case scenario for a fall like that. Thankfully, he's back. But certainly a lot of frustration there, and you love to hear a player express that. I do wonder... Um, when they said, did Lazat reach out to you? And he took the high road and said, it's between me and him. I do wonder if there was some discussion there or if anything, what what was said. I mean, uh, I don't know. Do you text guy and be like, man, what the what the hell are you doing to me? <laughs> if you played with well, them, like, I don't know if they guys, were friends hey, or Sorry not. about that, man. And he'd be like, yeah, bleep you. Um, that was bullshit. And 
And the other thing, I mean, keep in mind, this is three games into a new start with a new team after just being traded. And the other thing that stood out to me with that, Remo, was just how, like he kind of mentioned how hard it was being alone. I mean, we kind of joked about him going on that road trip um, a few weeks ago, like, hey, nobody misses the road trip. But, you know, just from a mental health perspective, being in a new place and a new team with new teammates and, you know, they're playing well, guys are playing in your spot, um, and you're basically rehabbing from something that you're still angry about. Um, that can't be an easy situation. Great to know that Gabriel Velarde is going to be good to go and get back in. Uh, we do have one more, one more quote, and this is, uh, you know, Velarde just speaking more about the frustration of the injury and uh, being away from the team. Yeah, it's just bad timing. I mean, it was my second game. I missed most of the preseason because of the flu that was going around. Um, it's good to see the teams winning, but at the same time, it's it's tough being the guy that, you know, you're you're on the outside kind of looking in almost. Obviously, everyone does their best to make you feel like you're, you're part of the team, and you feel part of the team, but yeah, I'm a new guy. Um, it would have been nice to come in and get uh, familiar and play and, and get comfortable as opposed to, you know, not, not playing. I haven't played hockey. These guys are 20 games in, and I'm really haven't done much yet. There was that six to eight week timeline uh, and it looks like you're close to kind of the tail end of that, the eight weeks. Uh, as you say, you could have been a lot worse, right? So the, was there almost a sense of relief to go with the frustration? Uh, well, it was four to six. I had six weeks yesterday. Um, everyone heals differently. I mean, it's tough for me to say. Do I wish I was one of the guys that came back after four weeks? Yeah. Um, it's taken me six weeks. I'm still dealing with some stuff um, that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of the year, and that's that's part of playing hockey. Everyone deals with those types of things. Um, but, yeah, I, it's just it is what it is. It takes time, and you got to uh, just go through the process. Rick talked about a brace and getting familiar. Is that sort of an odd feeling, I guess, to have that? And is that when you say about uh, the rest of the year, is that something you're going to have to skate with all year? Yeah, or? I mean, it's not ideal. I mean, I'm sure some of you guys have worn braces for other sports. I mean, uh, play hockey with out a brace your whole life, and then you're getting asked to put something under your, your gear that you're not comfortable with. So, yeah, it is, uh, it is important to find the right brace and make sure it, it fits. For some guys, it's easier than others. Maybe I got a little bit of... Uh, I say like OCD, I don't, it bugs me. So there's been that battle with uh, the AT guys, but uh, I have to wear it, and they've been really good in helping me and getting the right brace for me. All right, there's Gabriel Velarde, who uh, looks like is ready to return tomorrow night against the Edmonton Oilers. We'll get confirmation from uh, Rick Bonus on that tomorrow morning. Um, and uh, look forward to seeing him right back in the lineup. Of course, our first WST game was... When that incident happened in that game against the Kings in the third game of the season, uh, now the Jets get into the second quarter of the year with Gabriel Velarde back. And uh, I appreciated his frankness with those comments, Reem. I mean, uh, we had a real good time chatting with him earlier in the season. He seemed like a really cool guy. had a lot of time for us. Um, but there's a lot of guys that will just, you know, sort of, give you a few cliches or not give you much. He was very clear. And that is about as honest and as angry a guy you've heard coming back from, uh, from injury. And uh, you can only hope that propels him to get right back to where he was before he left, which was looking pretty damn good with 55 and 81. Yeah, the Jets play the Kings December 13 in L.A. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be some type of uh, revenge or 
dropping the gloves or anything, but uh, you can tell that he's a guy who's very frustrated uh, with the situation, being out, um, being away from the team. And you did, you know, we joked about him going on uh, the Vegas trip, but yeah, no one wants to sit at home rehabbing by yourself. That sounds not fun. What's more fun, going out with your uh, with your teammates on, you know, on the road? So. Well, and a uh, brand new team. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of a real chance to get to know these guys and you go to battle with them each and every night. And I mean, the hardest thing I'm sure was, you know, the rehab and, and not being able to play, but you know, that sort of feeling of isolation as we sort of got from that was, uh, was, uh, you know, something that he obviously needed to overcome. But, uh, the good news is Gabe is back and, uh, Hopefully, um, you know, tomorrow's game will go a heck of a lot better than the last time we saw him out on the ice against the Los Angeles Kings, his former team. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, road game, December 13th. That is not too far away. It'll be an interesting one to uh, see whether there might be a little bit more reaction from the Winnipeg Jets than we saw that night um, back at Canada Life Centre. Um, all right, we've got some real interesting numbers and stats from our Spotify rap numbers, but... Um, First off, let's quickly get to the cool bet lines. We've only got three games in the NHL tonight. A very, very short slate of games. The Columbus Blue Jackets home to the Montreal Canadiens. And um, the Columbus Blue Jackets are winning some games lately, Reem. Yeah. Blue Jackets, Canadiens. No, they went, didn't they have a big win over Boston earlier this week? So we'll see how they do. They're at home in Montreal and... I mean, I'm looking at the point totals here for like Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine. I don't think that's what they thought uh, they were getting when they signed for Gaudreau and traded him. I mean, Laine, uh, he's got three goals in 13 games, only five points. And Johnny, and he's with paired with Fantilli. They tried him at center, uh, wasn't working out. And uh, Johnny Gaudreau, how about these numbers? What was he bench? He's got 11 points in 23 games. This is after having 115 and 82. Uh, in 2021-22 before signing that big uh, big deal with Columbus. Interestingly enough, we didn't talk about this, but the Athletic put out there, you know, I want, there's you know, Columbus having another rough season. Um, the Athletic put out their trade board. This is the first trade board of the year, Huss. And, oh, look who's on, on it. Uh, a number of Blue Jackets, and you can tell which teams are not doing well by how many players they have on this trade board. But they have Adam Boquist, Andrew Peak. Uh, and let me scroll down all the way to number 25, Patrick Laine. And uh, Chris Johnson doesn't offer any. Oh, no, there is commentary on. Uh, oh, there is commentary. Sorry. Um, just what saying. Did you say no, about Laine? Just saying no one is happy in Columbus right now. Laine is a goal scorer who isn't scoring at his usual rate. No coincidence that his shooting percentage is well off his typical career average. And a contract of his size would be challenging to move in a flat cap environment since it extends two years behind this one. However, six foot five wingers with Lionel's offensive ability aren't ready, aren't in ready supply. Uh, they need to guard against potentially selling an asset at a depressed price, but they're also in no position to not to listen if someone comes calling. Yeah, and I know I, there's a lot of people that have been saying, "Oh, the Jets need to get Lionel back." His salary's not workable. It's eight point seven almost million. nine mil. It's not. It's not, you're not trading for that guy when he's got, sorry, three goals in 13 games. Like, I know he was injured too, but like, I don't think you can trade for him at that salary. Well, there's the cat. Yeah. The cap issue is the biggest thing. I mean, Hey, if you can get him a 50 cents on the dollar, sign me up. But how does that work? Where does he go? Which forwards that have been playing really well for the jets or the odd guys out? 
So again, we won't spend too much time on that. Um, so Blue Jackets minus 129. I like Columbus to keep it rolling tonight. Uh, the Rangers are at home to the Wings minus 193. Detroit plus 162 on the money line. And the Kings, who've won five in a row, they're at home minus 203. The Caps are plus 171. I'm actually going to sprinkle on the Caps tonight. Uh, they had that ugly loss in San Jose. I think they kind of get it together. Um, they've been really good over the course of the 10 games leading up to their last couple losses to Edmonton and San Jose. Big one for Washington tonight. If you're looking for an underdog, let's take the biggest one on the board with Washington. Now, in the lock shop today, Dusty and I were um, kind of thinking about, oh, geez, do we do it just a straight-up gamer? No, let's get into some shot totals. So here's our part, partner parlay today if you want to jump on with us. Lucas Raymond playing on that top line in Detroit, but for how long we will see Patrick Kane's going to probably be jumping in next week. I have a feeling he'll be shooting the puck and trying to get on board. So we've got Lucas Raymond over one and a half shots on goal. We've got Kevin Fiala over two and a half shots on goal. And for you Line A fans, and I know there's many of you in the chat, we're going to jump on Patty to get over two and a half shots on goal. Something that he hadn't done in at least four games, I guess since you know coming off of his uh, his benching. But in that Boston game, you could tell Line was feeling a little bit more. Five shots on goal tonight. So if you, even if you want to just take a, a, a shot prop by itself, Patrick Line, and I might even jump on what's what's his goal? What's his goal prop today? Let's see here. Player goals. Patrick Line, plus 180. They've got to start coming. They got the Habs at home. They've won three of four. Might be a further investment in uh, mm-hmm. Liney and the Blue Jackets uh, in the Blue Jackets tonight. It's funny how you know he hasn't really scored, but he's the you know the jacket with what the lowest odds to score or best you know. So the, the books still yeah. think it's because he's Patrick Liney. Yeah, they still know the talent. The books, even if he hasn't put it together this year. Hey, one other thing for. Uh, um, for cool bet um if you head over there by the way lock shop is uh, over at edmonton sports talk grab that whenever you uh, want to check it out and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get pods the hero world challenge goes this week tiger woods is back they've got a bunch of tiger woods props which i'll touch on in just a second but we do have if you go to the exclusives and click on hero world challenge specials this is such a weird tournament because there's only like 20 guys in it so we, uh, you know, it started the season. There's no recency of how these guys are playing. So we jumped on Max Homa, who's a favorite of ours. Dusty's taking it. And my guy, Tony Finau, 7-1 to one on either Finau or Homa to win the Hero World Challenge. And then Patty, Pat has had some great golf specials and parlays lately. Vic Hovland has won this tournament the last two years. He's got Victor Hovland to finish top five and Tiger Woods to finish higher than Will Zalatoris. And, of course, Zalatoris missed the entire season last year. This is his first event back. That one's at plus 285. You get that in the Hero World Challenge specials or the golf-boosted uh, the golf boosted odds. And as far as the uh, World Challenge overall, as I mentioned, Victor Hovland is the favorite with um at four to one scotty scheffler five to one but they've got a bunch of tiger specials so if you're a tiger guy and you just want to focus in on tiger uh tiger woods round one score 
over or under 71 and a half. The over is plus 110. The under is minus 154. Uh, Tiger, uh, round one, birdies are better at three and a half. Over is minus 154. Under is plus 110. And Tiger's finishing position over or under 16 and a half, minus 118. There's also an interesting head-to-head. Um, Tiger's the lowest-ranked player at 66-1. to 1. Lucas Glover is next at 50-1. to 1. You can get Tiger at plus 130 to finish better than Lucas Glover as well. So if you've been jonesing for some golf odds and some golf to bet on, the Hero World Challenge and Tiger Woods is back. We'll be paying attention to that this weekend. Of course, if you haven't played a cool bet before, use that promo code WST. For a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit, we'll uh, get ready in the lock shop tomorrow. If you're available at noon before WST, jump into that program. There's going to be a lot of Jets Oilers talk tomorrow between myself and Dusty. And uh, you know what side I'll be coming in on, what side he'll be coming in on. So it should be a heck of a lot of fun. We'll have a few exclusives tomorrow as well. All right, Remo, before we finish up the show, fill us in. On what we've learned from the Winnipeg Sports Talk Spotify wrapped summary for 2023. I don't know if everyone's on Spotify, Huss, but uh, this is the best part about being on Spotify. It's where I listen to my uh, my music. Um, they send, At the end of the year, they send you something called Spotify wrapped, where it just tells you a summary of all the music and stuff you listen to, your top artists, top songs. You know, mine's kind of wrecked because I play a lot of... Uh, Songs with my son, a car, so it's kind of like a family. Oh yeah, you're screwed. I mine's screwed. Yeah, mine's screwed. Like, not it's not good. So the Wiggles uh, but, top top five. Yeah, no, we are we are not into we're not into Wiggles. We never really got into it, thankfully. Um, I got kind of weirded weirded out by the whole thing, to be honest. But <laughs> but anyways, here's so they tell you for they have one for podcasters too, which is cool. So it gives us some nice analytics on the year, which we could probably look up, you know, if we want. But you know, it's nice getting in an email with a fun presentation. So Hus, here is on Spotify our top episode of 2023. Hmm. Uh, what do you think that it could be our top episode? I would guess by like by Spotify downloads. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to guess the show in Nashville when Dubois got traded. Now that was our best show on YouTube. I would agree, and I was surprised, but I think this makes sense. Our top show on Spotify, episode six fifty one, Shifley and Hellebuck okay. signed seven year extensions. That was, <laughs> I mean, that was, that was a wild show. And I think for anyone that was downloaded or probably there's, I would imagine there's probably a lot of people that maybe found us that way too. Um, but yeah, when we look back, when we do our year in review, mm-hmm. the Dubois trade was massive. Um, but I'm not sure there was a bigger day for this organization or this program than uh, the day after Thanksgiving to uh, announce and kind of dive into mm-hmm. Shifley and Hellebuck committing for seven more years. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think it was your uh, Instagram reel slash TikTok slash Twitter post of you in the Target grocery store. I think that yeah. really that really get, brought a lot of awareness to our show. And that show on Spotify in particular, 192% more streams on that one than our average, our average episode. And you know, I'll, I'll share some other tidbits or some other highlights. Yeah. 
uh, new fans on Spotify. Let's see. I was surprised at this. 39% of our Spotify listeners discovered us in 2023. Nice. I didn't. So welcome. Welcome aboard. New Spotify mm -hmm. listeners of WST. Yeah, I'm a big uh, I'm a big Spotify guy for podcasts. I know a lot of people, most people use Apple Podcasts, but uh, I'm always on Spotify. And show it to Garrett Soloway in chat. He says, kids Spotify music messed up mine, mine too. <laughs> okay, and which episode, the largest number of new listeners found us on which episode? And you would think maybe the Dubois, right? Yeah, I mean, I basically, I, I think of Dubois as sort of the, the, biggest event and i guess maybe just because we skew towards what we see on youtube mm -hmm. but no uh jets eliminated from the playoffs rick bonus sounds off really brought in a lot of new listeners so oh pushback yeah the pushback episode <laughs> the pushback episode <laughs> so i guess you know we're wrapping up 2023 and there was one more tidbit they gave us that i wanted to mention oh this one was kind of interesting it says we're streamed in 30 countries. Canada was our top country. Of course, 94% of our total streams. That checks I mean, you, out. You would think, you know, USA number two. What do you think number three uh, was? I'm going to think, I'm going to guess Australia. There seems to be, you know, a lot of Winnipeg expats, hockey fans. We always seem to get, um, you know, some correspondence from some listeners out. Mm. I'm going to go with Australia. Yeah, I was surprised. Schickster and Chad is guessing Finland. This Finland? one was new yes. news to me from Spotify. Here we go. Most new listeners this year in Chile. So shout out to, <laughs> shout out to everyone in Chile uh, listening to us. Uh, that's awesome. Welcome. We may have to uh, maybe have to go down to Chile and do a uh, do a special show, considering the the traction that we've got with new Chilean podcast listeners on Spotify of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, I mean, I would have never guessed. Um, and here, I'll try to find another one more tidbit. Oh yeah, so which episode us was the most shared episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk on Spotify? This one was. Very interesting to me. Again, I think Dubois, we feel like, was a pivotal point in the year uh, for Dubois, the podcast. Pushback. Mm -hmm. I know someone, Reg Dunlap, said, what about the show after the Grey Cup? Yeah. Definitely not, because there was a lot of Bomber fans that are here all the time that probably took a day off because they didn't want to have us just talk about losing the Grey Cup again for, for hours. I don't know. Which one, which one was it? All right, this was their most shared episode, episode 517, Jets lose to Sharks, bonus calls out players post-game. And this was at, what, the second half of the year last year. The playoffs seemed to be slipping away. You're playing against the worst team, and they laid an egg. And you, I mean, you you really brought it, uh, the passion, that show. And obviously listeners felt the same way sharing that over and over. And I think it was you who sparked the Jets to hang on and make the playoffs because go back listen i think i don't that know was, i was hot words that day you were hot yeah you were hot well i mean that was right at the point where the season was basically slipping away after mm -hmm. a really ugly six to eight weeks um and bones oh shout out to bones it's great to have him back and mm -hmm. i mean the, the numbers don't lie some of bones's 
uh, highlights, or if you will, in front of the microphone, turned into the, our biggest shows over the course of the year. So uh, big thanks to our Spotify listeners, all of our podcast listeners, all of our YouTubers. But uh, it's, it's very fun to kind of get these sort of numbers. And uh, obviously very thankful for all the new uh, all the new listeners and everyone that's uh, joining us, uh, however you're finding us every day as we continue to roll with WST. Approaching three-year anniversary coming up in March. I cannot believe that. Yeah, I can't believe it either. You know, shout out to a number of listeners. We we enabled memberships, I think, almost two years ago. And some of the people are closing in on a two-year membership. Spency said to wow. me, he thought, and I was like, I don't have anything for three years. I was like, I didn't think it would last this long. And Spency's like, what, you thought this would be like a two-year thing? I was like, I thought we were going to do this for like two months. And I'd, I'd find, find a new job. So <laughs> after we got let go. So it is incredible uh, that, yeah, we're approaching three years. you got such a great community here. Thankful. Uh, every day that we can come here, Huss, and do this. And um, yeah, when you know Spotify puts these numbers together um, and shows them to us, it kind of hits home. Because like we, you and I, I just feel, you know, all the time, I just feel like you and I are having this conversation. You know, there's a couple yeah. people uh, in the like chat every day. Up. But yeah, there's so many more people uh, listening who are in here. So we uh, very thankful for everyone. We do hope to see as many as we can, what, tomorrow night at the Jets game? Yeah, uh, come say hi and next 16 bar before the game will be there early and uh you can if you are coming you can get in there at 5 30 i believe they'll open the doors you got to come in that north uh the entrance basically coming out of city place on the mm -hmm. second level uh and then next wednesday of course is just going to be the big uh, holiday spectacular um some beer some pizza ice cream some checks bubble hockey hopefully mm -hmm. and uh just some great revelry and of course all to um, team together to raise some important funds for the cheer board who are doing yeah. such important things in our community at this time of year. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of raising funds, as we wrap up, we did get a one Movember donation during the show. Nice. Uh, we received a donation to Darren Chalice. He says, cheers, Hassan Remo, part of my community. Uh, cheers. Thank you. Be Thank you, Darren. Beautiful. Thanks to Darren. And I know Darren actually has seats next to uh, me and my folks in 206. My folks were there, so they were sitting beside Darren last night. But uh, really appreciate that. One more day uh, One more day to donate. Well, today and tomorrow. And again, tomorrow will be our marble race for the Trevor Linden jersey and the Prairie Naturals supplements product from Canada's number one men's health brand, Prairie Naturals, and our friends at Vita Health. So... If you haven't already, get on over to winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest. Get your name in. We will spin the wheel tomorrow during the show, grab a couple more marbles, and then drop them and see who the winner of this great prize is. Um, great show today. Wow, 320. We oh, it's late. we got to get these pods up for all our Spotify listeners and, of course, everyone on <laughs> Apple Pods. Um, but um, big thanks to Danny Jilkin. Nice to chat with him today. Ted Wyman and a great spot with Murata Tesh. If you joined us late, make sure to get back to the beginning of the program and check that out. Um, one week today, we'll see at Little Brown Jug, but get your tickets in advance. Every cent is going to the cheer board. Raise a little money for that and have a great time uh, getting together around the holidays, talking Jets, fantasy football, and all that when we see you then. Um, but otherwise, all you WSTers, get a good sleep tomorrow or tonight because tomorrow we got to bring it. 
Jets and Oilers. We'll be all over it on the show tomorrow, and we will get together as a group in the WST section for tomorrow night's game. Cannot wait for it. Um, thanks to Michael Remus, and thanks to all of our sponsors that make this show happen every day, and most importantly, all of you for joining us. Have a good one tonight. We'll get you ready for a big game day with the Jets and Oil going at it tomorrow night at 1 p.m. We'll see you there, WST. We're out. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 